Hello and welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. Sticker flaking us, it's episode 99. My name is Stephen Hill. <laughs> <laughs> and you like that joke, didn't you, Renfrey Dedman, really my co-host? That. Really enjoyed it's that. It's all right, wasn't it? It's a perfect yeah. day for a 99 as well. We are recording this. It I'm going to preface, 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 there we go. I'm going to preface this by saying it is fucking boiling today. And if we just start losing words, losing sentences, whatever... It's because it is fucking hot. It's about 30 degrees centigrade, isn't it? It's glor- It's gloriously it's hot. And mm, it's lovely. But- it's so lovely, but I haven't had a chance to actually... It's actually quarter to five in the afternoon. Mm. I've not had a chance to go outside my front door once today because I've been well busy. Busy boy. Well busy. Well busy with the albums that we're reviewing this week, which come from Bob Dylan, Oms, Boningen, Vile Creature, Clipping... And plus on Broken Records, We Are The Table, as Metallica and Lou Reed's much misunderstood Lulu, yes, really, uh, goes into the pot for Broken Records. Um, Mm. Before we go any further than that, we should just give our usual shout out to our good friends at Musicism. Musicism.net. That's a website where you can go to become a finer musician, a better guitarist, a better producer, a superior being. Um, to those shitty guitarists, bad singing, not un- un- unable to twiddle knob wankers that you see walking around, the scum of the earth that they are. Mm. Uh, they do basically they do online tutorials for you if you want to become a better musician. Go over there. I think um, they're still doing that new one for guitarists with advanced scales and chords. I think they'll continue is, doing you know, that forever, as far as I'm aware. If you want to get, if you want to improvise, um, I brought this up due to the improving your improvisation which i think is something which we're going to be talking about quite a lot on this week's show uh you can also get <laughs> you can get 25 percent off if you're listening lars um uh, when you put the code if you when you put the code riot in capitals in the checkout uh anyway um that's musicism we should also do the old patreon sting as well you know how it goes guys um patreon.com forward slash right act podcast Sign up for the £5 tier. You get two classic album podcasts a month. This coming Monday, if you're listening to this podcast today, it comes out, you're going to get another double. We've done another double up tag team, two album, classic album series on an artist. Mm-hmm. That artist, I can reveal, our Queens of the Stone Age, Renfrew. You picked both their self-titled debut record mm-hmm. and their brilliant follow-up rated R to go into the classic album Vault. And uh, we also got Mr. Adam Valley of the Audience Please podcast, who's a Queens of Stone Age super fan, to come in and uh, and chat with us about him as well. He really is. We, I mean, I did quite a lot of extensive research on it, but um, he did fill in a couple of gaps uh, as well. Um, it was good fun, wasn't it? It was. I've not edited it yet, and I'm not going to lie, Steve. I'm not looking forward to that because it's going to be a bit of a clusterfuck. Uh, but it will sound amazing <laughs> when you guys hear it on Monday. <laughs> yeah. I promise you. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. It was good. He's seen. He's seen Queen's of Stone Age. What thirty five times? He said it was it? around thirty times, something like that. Yeah, too. Well, I was about to say too many times. I mean, no, that's fine. There's <laughs> um, more times than I'd want to see them, to be honest. I would mean, it? I would see them twenty. Many times until about 2005, then maybe once in the last <laughs> 10 years. And I'd sort of be all right with that. I think I've seen them about six. I'd like to see Queens more. I, you know, they're, when, when they're good live, mm. they're absolutely terrific, as we discussed. But yeah. 
I would watch them again right now, actually, particularly after going into those two records. I mean, I don't know how heavily they lean on those um, two very, very good records. They play uh, rated. They, I'd say they tend to play four songs from Rated R, two songs from Self Titled. Would be a, a rough mm. guesstimate of what they tend to do these days. Really. Okay. I thought maybe they might not play anything from the self-titled, apart from the occasional regular John. They do regular John fairly often, and Avon's quite um, regular as well. Okay, yeah. Regular John on the regular. <laughs> Didn't even anyway, that's did a, that. that's a kind of That's a kind of great banter you can get over at patreon.com forward slash right act Slight, Slightly forced banter, but yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Slightly forced banter. Um Speaking of slightly being slightly forced to do something, Renfrew, you wanted to talk uh, about Dizzy Rascal and Piers Morgan, yeah. didn't you? Well, now I'm not sure if it is a good idea that I wanted to talk about this because... No, we're <laughs> going to have to talk about it anyway. <laughs> I massively got the wrong end of the stick. Um, well, should we tell people what this is yeah, about first yeah, in case yeah, they don't know? Okay, yeah. so um, now... Much to my sh- great shame and embarrassment, I pretty I watch Good Morning Britain pretty much every day, oh, uh, and I don't know ashamed. when I don't know when that started. I think it was my ex wife used to put it on right. in the bedroom when, and I've just got into that kind of, you know, um, Pavlov Pavlovian response to when I wake up in the morning <laughs> to turn the telly on, and it's usually on ITV. So I've seen Piers Morgan. Going too, too much. off on one mm. t- far too much. Um, and um, I'm not a fan. I've got to be honest. Um, Neither am I, I don't, to be clear before we go into I this. don't. I don't trust this new, like, uh, hey, guys, like, let's okay. make the world a better place. I don't trust that, this new no. guy, Neither by the me. way, um, because he's made an entire career out of sort of piggybacking um whatever big cause is uh going to get the most people going Piers Morgan tells it how it is so I don't really listen to what he has to say I've disagreed with him and agreed with him on things but mostly I just go uh whatever mate you're just a fucking hack same a hack a a, a literal hack as well not just a hack in a journalistic sense but in the phone sense as well (laughs) a literal hacker um so (laughs) Fuck Piers Morgan, basically. Yes. Although saying that, I watch him every day and I go, "What a cock!" Um, <laughs> he was he was on uh, he was on telly the other day, and Dizzy Rascal came on to talk about the new bunch of um, driving gigs that are going to be happening throughout the country, mm. featuring amongst others Skindred and obviously Dizzy Rascal, uh, which you know, as an idea, could be a laugh, Renfrey. Could be a laugh if you got I'd, a car. I'd rather pulling that, up. Yeah, I'd rather that than nothing. Um, I'm not convinced I'm going to go to any of them because I don't own a car. Um, but um, you know, it's better better to do something rather than nothing. Surely. Yeah, I might go to the Skindred one if there's one close to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, it'd be just for an experience, really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So Dizzy Rascal was asked on Good Morning Britain to talk about that. Now, Good Morning Britain. For those of you who don't know, if you're in a, maybe in another country, you just have to pay no attention to it, is a morning magazine program on ITV1. So the worst channel in the world, pretty yep. much, or in Britain, certainly. Yep. Um, and it's a sort of silly morning magazine program, which Piers Morgan, and I know this because I saw him say it with his own mouth, 
referred to as this is a current affairs show. No, mate, it's not. Uh, just in the same way as Hollyoaks isn't Greek tragedy, you are not a current <laughs> affairs show. That's a very good you comparison. Are fucking, yeah, it's you are. You comparison. are not. You know, he's moaning that the government won't come on and and just be shouted at. And it's like, well, they don't have to. Like, as much as the government have been pathetic recently, I don't really see why you would agree to go on and just have some sort of ham-faced man shout at you for ages i don't think you should have to do that on some rubbish tv show they're not refusing to go on question time or news night or anything like that or any of the other you know other news outlets are available obviously they're not refusing to talk to anyone they just don't want to talk to piers morgan Quite. i can understand that ewan mcgregor didn't want to do that ewan mcgregor refused to go on because he knew that piers morgan was a shyster and didn't want to get kind of doorstepped into he was promoting his film and he said some stuff about uh um, feminism and how he was sort of pro-feminism which Piers Morgan didn't like um, and they'd had a little Twitter thing about it and Ewan McGregor went you know what I just don't want to go on and talk to this bloke as is his right to do uh, he's not a snowflake or a pussy he just doesn't want to talk to a twat and I think that's absolutely fine so Dizzy Rascal and he's got a history of doing this stuff so Dizzy Rascal went on the show and Piers Morgan asked him about what he thinks about the Black Lives Matter movement and Dizzy Rascal basically went I don't really want to talk about it here. I don't think this is a place to talk about it. I've got a bunch of views to share, he said, but now is not the time to speak about them. Now, I think that is a perfectly acceptable thing to do. Although Renfrey <laughs> does not think that. Is well, that right? Or have you changed your mind a bit? No, not not strictly. So I, um, I read this news on the Evening Standard website. The evenings, and I saw the footage on the Evening Standard website, and the Evening Standard pointed out initially when they ran the story that Dizzy Rascal was a uh, political... Uh, he he, he did, wrote a lot of lyrics that were very, very political. Now, we've discussed my fundamental misunderstanding, and well, not just lack of knowledge, rather than misunderstanding about modern mainstream hip-hop. Um, I sort of took that as of which i would say i'm not i'm not sure dizzy rascal even counts as modern hip-hop anymore fair fair yeah yeah Yeah. that's probably a very astute point probably yes um so i took that statement as as read assumed it to be correct and unfortunately that just that tiny little piece of misinformation i think this is worth talking about just just as a lesson just as a lesson in how tiny little pieces of misinformation can completely change your opinion on a story and because i thought that dizzy rascal was the south east london equivalent of zach de la rocca i uh, (laughs) yes yes laugh it up because i was that is funny because i was under that impression i was um quite ticked off for far too long than i should have been yesterday because i was under the impression that he had this platform and as you rightly said lots of people uh, watch good morning britain i would i mean this is a bit of a this is probably not a very nice thing to assume but i bet a lot of people who watch good morning britain are probably racists um and i thought you've got an incredible platform there to say something um and because i thought he was very politically inclined and stuff like that I thought that was a fairer question to it. It didn't feel like doorstepping to me because I was under the impression that that was the sort of thing that he would talk about anyway. That turns out to not be the case. 
and so therefore i do see it as door stopping now because the the only reason piers morgan was asking him because he is a black person as opposed to mm. a black person who tends to speak out about this sort of thing um well when, yeah dizzy rascal did say get a carla on if you want to talk about sure, this kind of thing sure sure when you pointed mm. that out to me in in an exchange which was far more heated than it needed to be <laughs> between the two of us yesterday <laughs> Um, you were fucking furious i was furious yeah yeah and i was just like i don't understand why he's getting so annoyed about it i i wasn't really getting heated i was like no, what are you talking about no it came i far. think one of the the thing that got me was when you were like he's like malcolm x right, okay <laughs> I, like, right. oh, I knew you were gonna bring that up i what i mean by that is i think um i think a lot of young people do get their politics from music i'm going to include myself in that mm you know and, and actually stormzy I, stormzy is would be yeah. the one if you just said yeah. about stormzy i would have gone fine so yeah, i get yeah, the yeah, point yeah yeah, yeah yeah so that's so and yeah. and me and uh, under the knowledge of thinking i, I just assumed i just yeah i just assumed you'd heard the song bonkers <laughs> and thought like <laughs> yeah fine <laughs> fine 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 anyway look hey i was wrong but i was wrong because of um a uh, national newspaper's silly mistake um having worked for national but, to be fair to be fair, just before you go on to the newspaper being the I mean, what I would say is a lot of people who did know about Dizzy Rascal did actually agree with your initial point. Oh, is right. that he should have used that pa that platform regardless and that he was actually going, oh no, I'll protect my career and I'll protect my finances and I won't kind of engage in that. Um, and there yeah. is this idea that if, if you don't, you know, if you don't talk about this, then you're somehow, well, not even somehow, that you are complicit, that you are complicit in the kind of, you know, the, the silence and the apathy is as you know as makes makes you as bad as somebody who's actually going out and committing the kind of things that we're seeing um i i mean i think that I'm, would, i think I, I don't know if that's like true ac totally across the board do you know what i mean i mean we're on this show this week we, we could bin off the bob dylan review and talk about the crisis in yemen but we're yeah, not we going could. to do that i don't yeah, know if that yeah. yeah we could um does that mean that we're kind of complicit in it i mean i don't I think there's probably things that Dizzy Rascal thinks and there's probably things that Dizzy Rascal says and feels and is doing. I don't know. Who knows? But, I mean, I'm very much of the mind that what you do in the real world and in real life is kind of more important than what you do on Twitter and mm. on social media and certainly going on a programme as inane. I mean, you said that there might be a lot of racist people watching on Good Morning Britain. There's a lot of racist people in the world so yes yeah. there probably is yeah. um i don't think that's a particularly controversial thing to say um and but the 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 kind of i guess the kind of counter argument to that is what is dizzy rascal going to say on a two minute segment segment whilst being shouted over by some bloke that is going to change the minds or reprogram the ideals of those people i'm not sure that that is possible really i don't know no i don't know that's a very valid point um i suppose my initial anger was just down to you very rarely get that chance you very rarely get that platform to directly speak to that wide range of people um but then you know if he's not known for speaking out politically then i think that actually that just makes it null and void in a way because you know yeah i mean it's like i said to you he, he didn't ask nigel havers half an hour earlier what yes. you thought about it yes uh and <laughs> yes. you know it, so uh yeah i i i thought it was and and piers morgan has only got himself to blame in that because 
Dizzy Rascal immediately got really defensive and going, I've seen you, you shout over people. And after, he's like the boy who cried wolf. The more and more you behave like that and the more that you treat people who you're interviewing as just inanimate objects for you to shout at, the less people are going to want to engage with you at all. I mean, like I said, of course, I wouldn't listen to anything he said now because I'm just like, well, the way you, the, the, the vessel in which you choose to portray your opinions, I think is just shit. So even mm. if you agreed, even if I agreed wholeheartedly with whatever you're going to say, you've kind of stomped all over your point by just being an obnoxious fuckhead, I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Can't really argue with that. Mm. Um, as for working in the uh, the Independent and working in a newspaper, you were well, about to make that point. Well, just to say that um, I... It, I think it's terrible that these mistakes are made. But then having said that, um, they're made because of the way the system is, man. Uh, basically, whenever a story breaks, there is a mad fucking rush in newsrooms to get it up on the site as quickly as you possibly can. Because if you're the first, you're, you are likely to get the most hits. I mean, it's, it's not quite that simple, but, you know, you will get a lot more hits being first than you will if the same story goes up third, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. And and that climate does mean mistakes happen quite often. Unfortunately, I read the standards, probably their first go through with the copy, and it had that mistake in it, which made the story completely and utterly different for me. Um, and it mm. has since been taken out. So I can't even rant on Twitter and be like, it was there, it was there. I'll just look like a madman. Uh, but yeah, um, that's news, kids. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> it's old... Jeff Bezos in it was his name. <laughs> he took it out. Is that his name? Is it I Jeff? Think so yeah, the, yeah, Jeff Bezos. I was reading yeah. some stuff about. I was reading some stuff about him the other day. Oh yeah. Oh. The, oh, I was reading what people are saying about him. They're fucking weird, aren't they? People, <laughs> Christ. Weird. People. State. People are weird. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Well, it's just mental. Anyway. Um, there you go. <laughs> Justice for Dizzy. Um, <laughs> at last. Uh, <laughs> do, I, do I need to apologise to Dizzy Rascal now? So that's architect. No, 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 Dizzy I, I, Rascal. I, I, to be <laughs> to, to be honest with Dizzy Rascal, like I think, like I said to you, I mean, we over that conversation, I said I think his first album, which I really like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Boy in the Corner is a fucking great record, mm-hmm. and it was very, very cutting edge, and it was very, very exciting at the time when that came out. He must be gutted with what's happened to Grime. Because it's mm. fucking massive now. And he's just like the first one who sort of did that. But what he did is, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that first record about coming from the streets and stuff, but that doesn't necessarily make it strictly political. But he very, very quickly became like, you know, party guy. Okay. Um, when did that first one come out? And Dance to Me, uh, 2003, I want to say. Okay. 2003 or 2004. I think, I think 2003 because he won the Mercury Music Prize. Okay. Uh, and it was a real shock. Um, yeah, it was 2003. Um, and it was a real shock. And that itself was quite a kind of, you know, an exciting moment for UK hip hop. Hmm. Um, yeah. But then it's obviously taken a long time for it to really go over the top. And now we must look at it and go, fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm playing I'm playing like a fucking Butlins car park. Um, is he? Singing I, my I, crap I, I song with James was, Corden. I thought he was way bigger than that. I mean, this just shows how little I know, I guess. But I thought... Uh, I thought a hit for... The last time Dizzy Rascal had a hit would have been covering Shout by Tears for Fears for the England 2010 World Cup song 
Um, as in, you make me wanna shout, make me, make me, make me shout. No, no, as in, shout, shout, let oh, it all out. Come on, God. England. Him and, oh, God. Okay. him and James Corden. Oh, Him and God. James Corden. That sounds like a cancer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Was it 2010 or was it... Two, yeah, yeah, 2010, I think. 2010 or 2014. I'm pretty sure it's 2010. That so, was the last thing he did that got in the that got any kind of... Yeah. So he's not really... Although, to be fair, if he just went, I'm going to bin off those last five albums, I'm just going to concentrate on the first couple, I'd be like, yes, mate, that's good. But yeah, he's a bit of a... You know, he's he's fine. He's just like he's just a sort of party rapper now, and he's just sort he's of Andrew party WK. Like MC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's quite good. I would have um, assumed before this conversation day. that he would do a Brixton Academy. Is that way out, is that way over the top? Well, now that the streets do Brixton Academy, I mean, nostalgia is a big thing, yeah. and he's back in the news. So I imagine he would get back yeah. to being. But but do you know what I mean? I mean, fucking, you know. Lots of people do Brixton Academy and they've not been really sort of relevant for a long, long time. In his heyday, in his heyday, he probably, you know, he was main stage at Glastonbury and he okay. was that he was the UK's big. So I would have thought he could have done Wembley back in the day. Right. But now, mm, wouldn't have thought so. Okay. Probably could do Brixton, to be fair, especially now. Um, but we're not allowed in there, so you've got to go and watch him in the car park. <laughs> uh, anyway. Sainsbury's car park. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move to some, some. I mean, when we get to the clipping EP later on, um, I think listen to Dizzy Rascal and then listen to clipping. Mm. I think it should sort of mm. put stuff into oh, fuck, quite yeah. sharp pers- perspective. Um, so. Bob Dylan is where we're going to start, though. Rough and rowdy ways with our reviews this week. Uh, the 39th studio album from Mr. Robert Zimmerman, the voice of the 1960s, his first album of original material since 2012's Tempest, featuring. The one and only Fiona Apple, who we were only talking about a few weeks ago, her of the critically acclaimed, even on including on this podcast, Fetch the Bolt Cutters album. Um, she's on two of the most sublimely reviewed albums of 2020, Fiona Apple. Because she this, this has got some incredible reviews, this record. Um, can I, can I share a sentence from the line of best fit review before we go into those reviews do you mind of course yeah Um, no problem it's just a couple of paragraphs but i thought it was a really beautiful summation of dylan as a whole and i just thought it'd be a wicked way to start this review so it says um look close enough and you'll know him better than you've ever known anything in your life but the more you look the more you find Bob Dylan has not meant the same thing to anybody or anyone since at least 1965, and people born that year could could ostensibly be great-grandparents in the next few years. He is elusive, amorphous, a ghost. He is both a prophet and a bum, a fraud and a god, a wise old man and a newborn phoenix shaking ash from its beak. He's been letting people down since he first plugged in an electric guitar, and he's been thrilling them since he first dipped a harmonica in a glass of water in a studio session with Harry Belafonte. Like Shakespeare, the folks that wrote the Bible and whoever wrote the US Constitution, Bob Dylan's words have been poured over, reinterpreted, ignored, taken as gospel, rephrased, reimagined and plagiarised so many times that trying to find out the length and breadth of the influence of just one of his albums on modern society would be an impossible task. Bob Dylan is immeasurable, both the unstoppable force and the immovable object. Bob Dylan just is. Wow, that's Mm. very poetic. 
it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a lovely. It's a really mm. good review. Um, I I fully thoroughly recommend it. Um, but I I just thought that was a really beautiful summation of Bob. D- mm. Like, how the fuck do you summarize Bob Dylan's career? It's very go. difficult, but well, they've, they've done a very, they kind of, they've done a very good it. job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, yeah, I thought yeah, yeah, fair. All credit to the line of best fit. That was fantastic. I can't remember the writer, but it was very, mm. very good. So yes, um, yes, album, yeah. very well reviewed album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. Ninety-five out of a hundred rating on Metacritic based on twenty-two reviews. You're looking at five stars in the Guardian, five stars in the BBC, um, five, four stars in the Independent, five in Mojo, five in NME, and nine point zero out of ten on Pitchfork. Four and a half out of five on the in the rolling stone um yeah just basically it has been uh hugely hugely loved it feels like by a good, the critics feels like a good time uh now on this podcast and now in the year actually to just have a quick look at that top 10 uh on metacritic other artists sitting pretty alongside mr dylan in the top 10 uh we've got fiona apple who's still at number one with a score of 98 mm-hmm um run the jewels uh is fourth with a score of 91 and phoebe bridges just despite being a week old or so is number six on the list with a score of 90 really mm-hmm. yeah wow so okay um right. so yeah and those Quite a good are, year yeah not a bad year at all i mean i mean there are plenty of other stuff that we've covered and things that are in the top 100 um but yeah it's interesting like Firm favourites of ours, Code Orange, for example. You have to go down to around about 30 for Code Orange, I think. Mm. I can't remember exactly where it is. Well, that's because a lot of people who don't... like. There's there's that shitty Pitchfork review from the bloke who's just like, they've got choruses now! Um, well, also, Code so, Orange, Code know, Orange isn't for everyone, is it? You know, so it's, I don't think it means no. all that much, to be honest. No. It's, it's just an interesting thing to look at, I think. Mm. Saying that, though, I've not really listened to a Bob Dylan album for a long, long time. Not a new Bob Dylan album of original material. I couldn't actually tell you what the newest Bob Dylan record that I heard was. It would probably be one from the 1980s. Uh, I definitely did wow. have a little listen to his Christmas album. Yeah, yeah. That came out a few, <laughs> oh, few years ago, album, which was yeah. kind of dross, unlistenable yeah, dross. Yeah. Uh, really, really bad. So, and to be honest, the 80s stuff that I did here... That's not a great period, particularly no. as we discussed on Broken Records. It's not a great not. period. No. Um, I am, uh, I mean, I've said it a whole bunch of times about how big, I think Bob Dylan's probably my mum's favourite ever artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, as a child, was uh, subjected to um, Blood on the Tracks and mm-hmm. Blonde on Blonde and um, Desire and... Uh, uh, quite a regular basis, probably at too young an age for me to really understand what was going on in any of those songs. But so she likes seven, have... she likes seventies Dylan in the main. Yeah, that's all. Her fa- those those were her three favorite. Yeah, mm, that's... Blood on the Tracks is her favorite one. Yeah, I think Blood on the Tracks is seventy four. This is off the top mm. of my head, so don't quote me on this. But I think they're all Blonde on Blonde might be sixty nine, but um, they're all more or less seventies. Funnily enough, my yeah. favorite era. Yeah, that's is her ju- sort of. My favorite era is just before that. Um, but well, she likes when she likes when he plugged in. She likes, you know, mm. the post Judas stuff. If if that's if that's yeah, the case. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm a bit of a kind of greatest hits man with Bob Dylan as a, a, away from those records. To be honest, yeah. Um, I have probably, I think I've probably given every album up to 
I say every album, probably every other album up to about 1987 ago at some point or other in the last maybe 12, 13 years. Um, Do you have a favourite? But um, I think Desire is my favourite, actually. Nice. Good choice. I like bringing mm. it all back home. It's my mm. favourite. Yeah, that's good as well. Yeah, I think Desire is... I was actually thinking about this today because if you'd have asked me a week ago, I probably would have said blonde on blonde but i actually listened yeah. to desire i think it's fucking i think it's fucking great Fantastic. um but yes my point is i mean there are probably people who could talk to you about all 39 bob dylan studio records mm. i'm gonna fess up and go uh, you know i'm not that i'm not that guy i'm afraid no um i'm not either but um i do have a little bit on you in that uh the last dylan album i heard was modern times which i believe is 2006 and i thought it was quite quite good and i also heard his album before then love and theft from 2001 because i actually went to see him on the love and theft um tour which i have discussed i remember you saying yeah not too long ago i assume we discussed it when we did self-portrait on broken records um not a great gig um but yeah i did listen to love and theft in preparation for it and i I don't think I appreciated it all that much at the time. It was released September 11th, 2001. <laughs> Love and Theft. Oh, right. Yeah. Same as uh, Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I prefer Bleed American. Uh, <laughs> but Q Magazine wouldn't say that. Um, but yeah, mm. uh, but those albums are well regarded, for sure. They they are definitely well regarded. They, they, they were uh, very well reviewed. Love and Theft is not far off the score of this one. And I think Modern Times isn't far behind Love and Theft. So, But certainly this one has been reviewed very, very, very well. Um, I mean, let's get this out of the way, Steve. Is Rough and Rowdy Ways the second best album of 2020? Uh, no. I mean, no. let's be honest here. Right? <laughs> I, I went into this with very, very low expectations. I have Same. to be honest with you. Same. Same. Um, uh, and I, I didn't read any of the reviews until after I heard the album. So my first Same. time pressing play. In fact, I say that the only review I did see, and I haven't actually watched the video, but I did see um, uh, Anthony Fantano, he of the Needle Drop mm. uh, YouTube channel. He doesn't like it. He said it was rubbish. Right. Um, uh, so I was like, oh, okay. I wonder if that's the critical consensus. It appears not. But I did go into this with very low expectations um so i'm glad to i'm sort of glad to say this is, this is far better from everything i know about bob dylan from the last of this millennium this has got far better than it's got any right to be really it's it's much much better than i was expecting it to be i was not looking forward to reviewing this at all um i've talked about me solo folk thing a little bit on this show mm. if you if you do a solo folk thing you're never allowed to say a bad thing about Bob Dylan. That's the solo folk code. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm being facetious, but no, like I've gotten a, I've got a hell of a lot of respect for him. And, and I didn't want to come on here and be like, Bob Dylan's rubbish. And I'm really fucking pleased to say that I don't have to do that. Um, mm. I think just as an aside, anyone that goes Bob Dylan's rubbish is a prick. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like we've, we've, I know you are though. You are being a prick. Like, I mean, that's what Simon Cowell thinks. Yeah. So you don't want to be that guy, surely. Um, Bob Dylan's <laughs> one of the, like, that? you've already spoken. He said on the X Factor, he's like, Bob Dylan's rubbish. If I had 10 Bob Dylan's to work with, I'd never sell any records. And it's like, well, 
Bob Dylan sold loads of records, you fucking idiot. Mm. Maybe don't get Bob Dylan to sing, like, Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> Maybe that's a good idea, Simon. <laughs> Simon, you fucking pillock. Um, <laughs> right, So I've probably just cut what you said before then, but it was a lot worse than pillock. But let's go with pillock. I yeah, like it pillock. was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah thanks. Um, <laughs> probably, I hope you fucking have. Um, <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> so leaving it in now. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. Um, no, don't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like we've we've had this thing before, haven't we, where we, we talk about people who slag off the Beatles. Mm. And we've had this thing before where we talk about people who slag off various kind of big artists from mm. and go, they're, they're, rub- they're rubbish whilst like wearing a, you know, a fucking terror T-shirt or something. <laughs> and you're just like, I, you're, ter- you're, you're crap at listening to music. You're not very good at it. So let's just... Let's just skim this right now. Like, if you're going to be one of the... Yeah, that, I listen to new Bob Dylan. He's rubbish. No, he's not. But he is still open to some level of criticism. Quite. Yes, yes. Which it yeah. does seem that most of the music press has forgotten. Because <laughs> um, mm. the praise they've lavished... I, I do agree in some cases. We'll get into it. I do agree. I, I, there's some stuff on this record which I really, really like. I really, really do. Um, and I'm yeah. really pleased to say um, the biggest relief for me by far, I think, is that this is a veteran artist who I respect releasing something that isn't embarrassing, um, even when this album's at its worst. I never think it's embarrassing. Mm. I'm never like, oh, Bob, what are you doing? Um, no, no, it's true. <clears throat> um, which is we reviewed- comforting. <laughs> Which yeah is we reviewed um we've reviewed bruce springsteen and neil young in the last year and they're late in their latest albums yeah. and although i was uh, uh you know i was i would say i i i enjoyed parts of the springsteen album although i, I wouldn't say it's embarrassing but i thought it was a bit confusing to hear him suddenly go cowboy this late into his career mm. i mean fair enough you know he's done so many things he might as well try it mm. um but it didn't really work it, it wasn't embarrassing but it didn't really work neil young on the other hand was much more kind of more of the same and you think well there's far more records out there that you've done that would be superior yeah. to this okay. and i think luckily this sits right in the middle of those two things where it's not exactly the same as what you when when someone says to you bob dylan what pings into your head or the sound that pings into your head is not necessarily the sound that this album is but um it's not just more of the same either and and it's not no. just so it's not just it's not more of the same but it's not so much of a deviation that you go it doesn't really work well i think 90% of people when they think of dylan think of the folk era uh, mr tambourine man mm-hmm. masters of war um body mm. blah, blah, blah um so dylan i i would say that dylan has been in this uh, crook for at least the last 20 years i would i would say and i'd say now he's he's a blues guy it, most of what this yeah. is is blues um and i have to say i mean i've never been a i've never been a massive fan of dylan's voice post motorcycle accident really um but what is really really cool to hear on this record is that far more grizzled D- dylan voice he's really grown into because now he is you know an elderly gentleman it really works in a more of a sort of tom waitsy kind of fashion i think yeah it's funny you've 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 touched on something i think is you know 
that out I've put like Bob Dylan doesn't sound too bad vocally. Quite. In fact, I've put his grizzled tones often suit this music rather well. Absolutely. There's something like there's a kind of a kind of lausch barroom feel to this. Yeah. Which I really like. You can imagine walking into some sort of dive bar in the sort of the Midwest of America and yeah. some old band playing in the corner and it just feeling really really cool and it's got that sort of vibe to it. I mean, obviously you would know better than me about what he's been doing over the last 20 years. I genuinely couldn't really say, but like you said, I I I do think of, you know, that kind of lo-fi folk harmonicary thing which yeah. is not this at all no 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 um this so, is a, this yeah, is, a, that, this is cool. americana but it's not quite mm. that folk thing um and i think i mean again just to pop back to that consequence of sound review very quickly they said uh dylan's sandpaper voice which has let him down on occasion sounds better here than it did a decade ago and i completely agree um i think that's okay. a very good observation i think he's still um he still occasionally sounds a little bit drunk uh which he has mm. suffered from quite a lot later on in his career i mean mate that gig i think he might have been drunk uh but on this record it's kind of endearing when he sounds a bit drunk rather than worrying you're not going oh Dylan, yeah. did, you, did you have too many whiskeys last night oh fuck what's going on but it's quite it's like an mm. endearing uncle on this one <laughs> i don't know I don't, <laughs> there, there, there's a, there's there's something about it which is a little bit different but that's the only way i could put it um yeah. i really i really uh, I, I, yeah oh. i never found it i never found it kind of embarrassing or awkward no. or like, no. like oh god it is like not once and i really yeah. expected to and, i was looking out for it as well and it's a long fucking record this 10 tracks it is yeah 70 minutes and 33 seconds which was another reason why i was dreading this yes so we should say uh, the the album was actually released it, this is a double album for it to all intents and purposes so um it was the second disc if you buy it as in disc format i mean who does but if you were to buy it in disc format the final song murder most foul is the entirety of the second disc. So this is a double album to all intents and purposes, but just with one song. It's actually it's the second part. It's remarkably similar to what Nick Cave did last year with Ghostine. Mm. Um mm. it's not quite the same. Um but it, it's it's you know that was a double album which technically could have fitted on one CD if he'd wanted it to, but he wanted to separate um I think it was the last three tracks with the Ghostine record. I can't remember now. Yeah, well, three. Yeah. But it's a similar sort of vibe to that. Um, and actually, there's a sort of... This feels quite Ghostine-esque to me in a lot of other ways. To be super clear, right from the start, this is not the quality of Ghostine and, at all. Uh, because that record is truly phenomenal. But um, I think in the sort of melancholy of it and the fact that m most of the record is actually quite... Is pitched quite... Um, well melancholy i guess sad uh it's quite mm. most of it is a pretty um i don't want to say depressing record because i don't find it depressing it's just but it's very contemplative i guess yeah um, i think that's fair yeah, yeah I, I i mean yeah I, I think uh i mean i think that should we save murder most foul for the end or should we talk about it now since we just mentioned it i mean let's save it for the end Okay, fine. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it starts off fairly, I mean, definitely not upbeat, but it certainly gets more reflective and a little bit slower as the record, go, as the record goes on. When you get to kind of crossing the Rubicon bit,
being one of them. Well, um, I I was going to say, I mean, just to, to, to continue on where it starts, I really like I Contain Multitudes, which is the first song on mm. the record. Um, I think, I mean, he starts sort of talking about how he says, I'm just like Anne Frank and Indiana Jones and even those bad British boys, yeah. the Rolling Stones and stuff like that. And it's got the, I, I think it's a really beautiful single. I contain multitudes. I think it's a really, really good way to start this record. Um, it is. In fact, I think the first sort of two or up to sort of the first three songs, I was like, this is really good. Mm. I mean, a bit long. Yes. I think that's a problem that I'm going to like flag up right now. Um, yeah, yeah. Because these songs don't move around that much, I question why Crossing the Rubicon needs to be seven minutes and 22 seconds. I kind of question why my inversion of you needs to be six minutes, 41. Mm. Key West, why does that need to be nine minutes and 34 seconds? I'm not quite sure it does. Mm, I'm not really sure that it just justifies its length. I definitely think think most of these songs are too long. Um, I I get most fed up of it when he's just sort of riding on a kind of Lausch blues hook. Or yeah. um, actually, crossing the Rubicon may well be my least favorite song. It's just a fairly dull, repetitive blues workout. Mm. Um, I mean, it's Goodbye Jimmy Reed as well. It, funnily enough, is one of the most energetic songs on the record, and I understand why it's there and where it's placed. It's placed smack bang in the middle of the album, and you do need a little bit of pep at that point. Yeah, I um, actually quite like that. I think it's got some great lyrics. It's a fairly standard kind of 12-bar blues thing, mm. um, and I don't it's think... It's got a Tarantino shuffle. Is what oh, I've yeah, yeah, down. yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I, personally, I musically, I don't think it's anything particularly exciting, but the album definitely needs a bit of a bit of energy at that point, and it does deliver that. Um, and some of the lyrics, like there's one where it goes, um, they threw everything at me, everything in the book. I had nothing to fight with but a butcher's hook. They had no pity. They never lend a hand. I can't sing a song that I don't understand. You know, I mean, some of the lyrical covers in this are fucking great. You know, this, he's still got it in terms of that, mm. I think. Um, really, really, really good. Uh, what else do I like? I, I think the I think the sentiment um, of a song like I made up my mind to give myself to you. I mean, just in the title, it's just fucking beautiful, really, isn't it? Like, mm. and I really like that song. I quite like him when he's sentimental on this record. Um, some some reviews have been a little bit sniffy about the sentimental stuff. The consequence of sound review, actually, which I think is a brilliantly written review, but one that I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, says that it suffers from being a bit too kind of moribund and uh, depressive and yada 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 but I actually that's probably my favourite stuff on this record um, myself I love his delivery on my own version of you um, it's quite a long song around seven minutes or so but if you pay attention to the lyrics he really holds your attention I think um, and only the absolute best of the best can do that over seven minutes mm-hmm. Um, yeah i i do like that song although i did think it was i mean i i've got to say i i think those two songs when it was when i've made my mind uh made up my mind to give myself to you ended yes and i looked and i was like my god this is only the fourth the end of the fourth track yeah and we've been here for like 25 minutes yeah yeah yeah. and there's still another (laughs) six tracks left i was like oh god it's a little Um, bit like lou reed and metallica isn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah yeah a little bit um but the songs themselves are, I mean, again, I think I said it about Ghost Poet a few weeks ago, which is that it's quite a nice place to be. 
It's quite yeah. a nice place to exist in. Yeah. Like it's not really too, you know, oppressive. I mean, we'll talk about vile creature later and getting mm. stuck in a sort of, oh, mm. are we really here for fucking an hour? Like, oh my God. Whereas you don't really get that with this record. No, it's Having a very, s- so ha- it's, yeah, it's, a very say, it's a very pleasant record to listen to. Yeah, it's a pleasant record to listen to. Having said that, I do think to make it a truly great record to kind of justify these reviews, I think um, a fair old bit of snipping could have been done. Absolutely. Although that is not true for me of the song Murder Most Foul, which is ironic really because that's 17 minutes long nearly. Bloody is, mate. Okay, go on. And I think it's a really great song. It's a really... in. It's and and it's amazing because it doesn't again it doesn't really do anything. No, like it really doesn't. Musically, <laughs> it stays very still throughout the entirety of it. But I, his vocals come in. It's like waves. The vocals come in and then they wave out, and then as that wave goes out, some sort of a musical tableau will come in and then go out again. And I actually found it really soothing that song. And it's weird because it's quite a horrible song it as well. Is. Like lyrically, it's, called, it's quite murder a murder most foul. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a violent song, it's but it's violent. very, but it's very relaxed. It's very relaxing to listen to. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. sort of, I got kind of swept up in the story of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, it's about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, and it does take, and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's a sort of, it's an education as well as a as a song. You know, the things that it talks about are um, are really interesting, and it makes you go, you know, when this song's finished, I'm going to look up what that reference to that place was, or who that person is, or do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. I think uh, a lot. Of, I, I think a lot of Dylan's songs do that. I think he's got a, an amazing power to do that. Yeah, he really um, does. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I do know what you mean. I I like that song. I don't like it as much as you do. Um, but I, I like that song. I do think it's a bit long. It's almost 17 minutes long. It's pretty mm. fucking long. Um, it's very long. I personally think, and it doesn't sound like you're going to agree with this, but I personally think uh, Key West Philosopher Pirate would have been a more beautiful ending. Um, that's nine minutes. So it's yeah. still a pretty lengthy composition, but one that just kept me engaged more personally than Mur- Murder Mouse Most Foul. Um, it's got a kind of lilting lullaby-esque quality to it, I suppose. It rolls quite gently and sweetly along. Um, it recalled to mind the brilliant It's All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding from um, uh, Highway 61 Revisited. Fuck, one of the albums from that Probably. Time. Yeah. Um, don't, don't, <laughs> you, don't, don't quite you're looking that. at me and I was like, oh, God, I can't remember. It's either, bringing um, it, it's either Bringing It All Back Home or Highway 61 Revisited, I can't remember. But that's one of hmm. my favourite Bob Dylan songs. So if if, yeah. if he's going to recall that, then I'm going to be a sucker for it. Um, there's a beautiful well, the thing squeeze is, box and those beautiful female backing vocals. I'm totally, yeah. I, I love that song. I'm down with it. Yeah, I think I think that's a good, I mean, the reason that when I said, oh, it's a bit too long, when I mentioned Crossing the Rubicon, is I think Crossing the Rubicon does get boring oh, over yeah. its seven, seven and a half minutes. Yeah. Whereas I think, and the good thing about Key West is, is that it can, if you get the album, that could be the end of the album if you wanted it to be. It could be. You've just got this, it's almost like an EP, Murder Most Fans, almost like an EP yeah. tagged on, or, you know, because it's the second half of the record. So yeah. in a lot of ways, that does finish the album, yeah. the first I, half I, of the album. I think it's a better ending than Murder Mouse Most Foul, personally. Mm. But, you know. I can see why Murder Most Foul is 
given its own separate disc on the sort of physical copy. Yeah, same. I can I, I can understand that. Um, I, I yeah, I mean to be honest, I I like both of them. I like both of those songs. Mm. I think uh, the very very start and the very very end of this record, I think, is brilliant. Uh, agreed. And the middle is 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 like and weirdly, like you said. The middle, Black Riders, sort of, nah. yeah. Um, four, four minutes, twelve is one of the shortest songs. Mother Amuses didn't really do anything, yeah. really. Crossing the Rubicon, I've t- spoke about. I do yeah. quite like Goodbye Jimmy Reed just because it was in there and it needed to be in there, but I don't yeah. think it's as good a song as the other songs that we've spoken about. Absolutely. Uh, it just sort of needed to be there mm-hmm. and it was quite a, a nice thing to hear. Um, overall, this is, like I say, it's far better than it has any right to be at all. For an artist's 39th album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way better than it has any yeah. right to be. Um, I I thought we were going to be pulling a Paul Weller on this. So did and... I. So did I. And I'm really glad we're not. I might even go back to it from time to time. Who knows? It's hard. It's not going to become one of my favourite Dylans or anything like that. Mm. But I do really like it. In the main, it's very flawed. It's way too long. It could have been 25 minutes shorter f- quite easily and could have had a few knock- oh, songs knocked off definitely. it. Definitely, yeah. But... I do still really like it. Like overall, I do still really like it. And as you said, when it's on, even though it is really long, it's a nice place to be. It's a nice place mm. to have Uncle Bob singing in his style like this in your in your face. <laughs> is that Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits? <laughs> Basically the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Way on downtown, <laughs> London town. <laughs> anyway, that be coming. Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits coming on classic albums very, very soon. Probably is it, not. Is it no. on, yeah, I was going to say, it's not on yours, is it? No. Fucking <laughs> no. no. <laughs> not at all. Um, anyway, there you go. Robert Zimmerman is back. Uh, He's back. Well done. Well done, Bob Dylan. Well done, Bob Dylan. Genuinely surprised. Yeah, same, same. Very genuinely surprised. Rough and Rowdy Ways is out now. Let's move on to our next record, which contains more surprises. But the one thing I'm not surprised about is that it's good. Uh, Close by Oms. Mm. Uh, The third album from the Kent-based Prog Doomers. Um, I, just very, very quickly, I... um, I saw Paul from OMS playing in a band called The Babies Three, supporting Grade and As Friends Rust at the Underworld in Camden in London uh, in about 2001, maybe 2002. And I bought both of their records. Homosexual Love Ballads is one of those records. It's really good. That's my personal favourite of the two. Um, I thought they were great. And then they vanished. You're, you're a big fan of Homosexual Love Ballads, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I thought it was a great record generally (laughs) (laughs) carry on (laughs) Um, probably well mate I mean I like a lot I like a lot of uh, I like the Pet Shop Shop Boys Boys. Pet Shop Boys write a lot of homosexual love ballads I wasn't being facetious I was making a statement good neither was I I think (laughs) good and what's wrong with that (laughs) nothing Um, (laughs) so anyway come on um they were a really good band, the Babies Three, and they just sort of broke up and vanished, disappeared, like so many great Kent-based hardcore bands from the time. And I didn't really think much about it after that. And then I found out 
that Oms were a band and it was the dude from the baby show. And I was like, oh, I should listen to them. Listen to The Fool, which came out in 2017. I thought this is good. Mm. This is a good, this is a good, good band. Quick aside, I bloody love The Fool. Um, I returned to it when we received this promo because I was like, oh, I, I really need to reacquaint myself with Oms. And uh, that is a fucking great debut album. That is, um, I think it's weird to say that Oms are underrated because actually in the underground, I think they're incredibly well respected. But I do listen yeah. to an album like The Fool and I go, I think if Mastodon did this, people would be going pretty fucking wild for this. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really fucking good. The last song on that album, The Hero Fant, is 22 minutes long. And it is not boring. <laughs> it's fucking great. Mm. There's another brilliant song in it called The Lovers. Um, interestingly, w- what we have here in the third album by Oms is a much more... Um, well, condensed. Much, much more condensed record. I said that the last song on The Fall was 22 minutes. This entire album is 30 minutes and 11 seconds. But isn't it amazing how much they get done they really do. Time. They uh, they really really do. They get an awful lot done. Um, although first thing I'm going to throw out there, just to be different for a change, this could have been longer, I think. And how often do oh, I say yeah. that? How often do I say oh, that? Not very often. It, you're right. It definitely could have been longer. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's fucking powerful that this is half an I, hour I and they get everything done in half an hour. I agree. Um, we should. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I thought The Fool was was really good. And I did yeah. a little piece with Paul for Metal Hammer um, at the time. And I was listening to the record. I was like, this is really good. I, I, I will be honest and go, aside from the sort of few times that I saw them live, I never thought much more than just like, yeah, I like this. This is good. That was about the kind of the, the height of it. I was like, yeah, I like this band. They're, they're good. Right? I wasn't like, God, this is fucking incredible or this is a game changer or anything like that. I just thought this is very good kind of, like you say, Mastodon-y, sludgy, doomy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really see this coming at how fucking great this is. Oh, wow. Cool. Oh, mm-hmm. so you're you. Oh, wow. So you like this more than The Fall, do you? Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, amazing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, and uh, there's a few reasons why I do. I think the brevity of it is one of those reasons. I mean, I'll make a comparison and it's not actually the maddest comparison because um so this record from what I understand is kind of lyrically about um abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. They always have a kind of thematics for each record, don't they? Yeah, um, the fall last... was tarot. Um yeah. uh, exist was animal cruelty. Hmm. if i recall correctly and this one's about sort of abusive relationships Hmm. um which is a very emotive difficult subject to deal with Hmm. um another record which obviously people who listen to the show will know how much i love is stage four by touche and more which is about his mother passed away from cancer jeremy the singer of touche and more that record is a quite a brief listen as well um yeah. But it says so much in such a in such a short space of time, and yeah. musically it does so much in yeah. such a short pace, space of time. Um, I find that to be an incredibly impressive trick, and it's not even a trick; it's a skill. I don't yes. know why I said trick. Skill. It, it is, is an incredibly impressive skill to be listening to a song like Asylum, which is mm. less than two minutes long, 
and feel like you've just been taking on this long epic journey mm. that is an incredible skill mm. um, I agree. it's it's the flip of bands like tool who can make a 12 minute song feel like a three minute pop single um bands that can manipulate time in that way i always find incredibly impressive and there is there's some really 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 brilliant twists and turns on this record there's some really brilliant moments and there's a whole bunch of stuff that i don't think that kind of doomy stoner sludgy scene takes inspiration or influence from Absolutely. i mean i've just mentioned i've just mentioned touche and more i'm not sure how much of touche and more musically there is mm. in this but i think there might be a little bit from that kind of scene and that's just one tiny little element of that so um yeah i think this is really very 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 good i think just to back up what you're saying there um i mean there's definitely a progginess to oms i would say mm -hmm. and this record still feels very proggy very conceptual and very dense and deep while still being half an hour and uh, i think mm. that's just another way of saying talking about the skill that it takes to do that but i think that is there are very few progressive records which are short and sharp like this and it mm. is quite nice to hear one um i have to say i i think I'm really glad Oms did this because as much as I adore The Fall and I, I really like going back to it the other day, I was like, fuck, I really like this album. And I forgot how much I like this album. Mm. Uh, I think I prefer what they did on The Fall, but I'm really pleased they went in this direction because it's the total, it's totally different. I'm, I'm you know, obviously they did it exist in between then as well. But like, I love the fact that it's a totally different, way of approaching the oms sound and it, it we're not getting the same record every time with oms mm. at all and i think that's really really encouraging and a really really good thing um so i'm i would rather have this which i don't like as much as the fool rather than part two of the fool if that makes sense i'm not saying that very well but you understand what i mean yeah yeah i i think i think you know that makes a lot of sense i mean it, it's just the uh, for me like it, <laughs> So many rock and metal bands are their their influences are so minuscule. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Let's redo, and particularly from you know we've spoken about the kind of doom and stoner scene, and we raved about that Elephant Tree record because it was taking from Radiohead and Pink Floyd and jazz Absolutely. and you know electronic music, and that's that makes that interesting. And I think on this record, you know, you get um, this kind of quite a beautiful passage. Uh, opens um the song opens yes uh, yes which is which is the name of uh opens alive sorry not open um opens the song alive and then you get this fucking really unbelievably brutally oh, heavy yeah. doomy yeah. riff which comes in and then light flame and youth light and shade flaming youth which is this kind of ethereal thing uh is great but for me when it, revenge revenge is nine minutes long so it's not all short this nope. um but it's this fucking epic song which is heavy and groovy it's quiet it's slow it's brutal it's everything it's a banger it's a fucking absolute rager it's nine minutes long and it is that thing where it doesn't so much happens that you don't notice that you've been sat there for nine minutes 
um, yeah, again, this manipulation of time is that they they do is 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 fucking great, and it's got like I mean I mentioned Asylum. I mean that that chant of the come in to take us away, mm-hmm. that kind of sea chant. It's almost a bit like um, sort of chain gang chain gang chanting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But done from a kind of Kent punk band. Like they haven't <laughs> they haven't lost that hardcore edge, hmm. but they've added. I mean I. I, I reviewed it for Metal Hammer and I've actually got my review up um, earlier and I was like, I've mentioned Ozzy Osbourne I and mean, I think Paul's performance on it is fantastic. So good. Yeah. And I think in that I said he goes from kind of wailing sab- early Sabbath Ozzy Osbourne to the gruff, grizzled tone of Scott Kelly in Neurosis to you know, kind of the atonal bark of Steve Albini when he was in Big Black. It's probably the best performance Paul has um, has achieved on a record, I would say, I think, mm. um, of, of the Oms. I think I've heard them all. I think I've heard the EPs as well, but I think it's his best performance, definitely. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. And the end as well, the, the last song's called Unplugged, which is not a mm. very apt name for that no. song, as it's this no, kind no, no, of no, no, no. driving, multi-rhythmic piece of just loveliness. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's hooks on this record as well you know yeah i love um there is no god there's only gods in destroyer you know which yeah written down on paper kind of looks lame but paul makes it sound really fucking cool you know he makes it work really really well mm. um I, I i i think this is great i it's just kind of well it is one of those records as i said i started listening to it i was like this is great i'm gonna go back to the old records you know it's made me just want to listen to everything that they do and when a new album comes along and makes you want to listen to a band's entire discography and then reappraise it yet again, because I've always liked them, so I've just never given them. I think they deserve even more credit than I've given them in the past. You know, I think they're just a fucking fantastic band. They're turning into a really fantastic band, which we really should shout about a lot more than we do. This, I think this is the first time we've covered Oms properly, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's um, the first time anything's been out. I think that we've uh, been around for. I think um, Exist came out just as we became a podcast unfortunately i think we just missed it but um yeah this is you know they've done three records since 2017 they're all different but they're all clearly oms you know they Mm -hmm. do have their own sound and they do have a sound that is distinctly theirs paul does you 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 can hear it's paul you know like Mm. um they're they're a fucking great band they're really, really good, and and I love the fact that they've gone in this direction with this with this record. And I, um, yeah, I'm going to pay. I paid a fair amount of attention to Oms before, anyway, but I'm going to be paying a lot more attention to them after this. Yeah, I definitely am. I mean, I have to say, like you know, they they. It's not my favourite type of music in the world. This mm-hmm. kind of um, the the sort of sludgy, doomy world it's I th- for both of us i think well, that's fairly true as, as we'll get on to later doom is i'm not a fan of doom at all so mm. you know um but but but, yeah. but they just they this isn't this isn't your average common or garden doom record do you know what i mean like absolutely or, or sort of sludge stoner record it's just not there's so much more going on i mean you know like i say when you're bringing in stuff like big black and it reminds me a bit of um uh that sort of chanty bit reminds me of like um that the black black spiders remember that black spider song yeah 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 
St. Peter, won't you let me in? Lord knows all the trouble I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that song. Yeah, great song. Um, anyway, they were good, weren't they? Yeah, they were great. Well, that first album was fucking amazing. Second one was yeah. okay. But the first one, yeah. Sons of the North, is a nine out of ten yeah. rager, if you've never heard fucking it. Fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not that they really sound anything like Black Spiders on, no. but <laughs> this has made, yeah, massively, like, really, really hope people pay attention to this because it's fucking great, I think. I think yeah. it's fucking great. I'm going to ask you, Renfrey, come the end of the year, when you come to put your... 20 favorite records of the year will this be one that gets some level of consideration do you think it you know what it's been a fucking good year it has been a fucking good year which is the only thing which is making me pause i think in i think in many 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 years i would just instantly go it will definitely be consideration um the only record of its type that i can think of that i prefer this year is elephant tree as you Mm. pointed out um so possibly um but i don't know we'll have to see i haven't looked at my list for quite a long time <laughs> so i can't even bring to mind what's in there at the moment but i think possibly. there's a very i think that come the end of the year there's a very good chance that you might hear me talking about this record again mm. um and i've tried not to say that about too many things recently because like you rightly say it's been considering like so much stuff's been pushed back and cancelled and da 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 it's been pretty fucking great this year i think i've already i can't remember when i said it maybe it was last week's show but i've already come out and basically said this is a classic year we're only halfway Mm. through but this is a this is a classic year it just is that was classic lovemaking. (laughs) (laughs) uh anyway that was close by oms um we're gonna move on now to something else obviously that's (laughs) what you do when you move on if you move on and you still carry on talking about the same thing that's not really moving on is it you're Um, you're you're not going to want to do that again are you nah fuck that i think it's good i like i like i liked it um (laughs) bo ningen sudden fixtures the fourth full-length album from the london-based japanese alt rock alt noise rock band i think who fucking knows who knows <laughs> their first album since 2014's three this album was recorded in london tokyo in la in a as they put it constant search for inspiration and embodying the contemporary art and music scenes where crossovers of different cultures are flourishing bone ningu infused disparate styles and influences and sounds into a fierce eclectic torrent of grooves that mark sudden fictions out as their most ambitious and accomplished work to date in a week when we're doing lulu it's quite amazing that lulu isn't the most pretentious record of the week i was about to say the um the press release for this is uh pretentious central it's um it was quite Mm. i think i had to approach it three times before i got through it (laughs) right uh, but then but then i will say um it's kind of apt really isn't it it is kind of record it's a hell hell of a record to describe uh i did suggest that we do this and then listen to it and almost instantly regretted it not because well not because of quality or anything like that but just because it's a fucking bastard to describe this record isn't it it's a mess it is a mess mess, to be honest it's a fucking mess mess, it is it is a bit of a mess i think uh i mean i gotta be honest i don't know much about Bo Ningen. Mm-hmm. I know they supported Crystal Castles back in the day. Did they? At Brixton Academy. Yeah. Oh, wow. Which on the basis of this record, I think must have freaked the fuck out of some people. <laughs> um, 
but I don't know much about them. Um, and I feel like my palette is constantly evolving over a bit like boning and search for inspiration um, uh, over the sort of period since we've been doing this podcast. I wasn't completely ignorant to kind of noise rock and avant-garde music at all, but I definitely listen to more of it now than I ever have done probably since I was in my like early 20s, I would mm, say. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like I'm, I can, there, there's been times where I've gone either I don't know or fucking hell, this stuff all just sounds weird the same to me. I feel like I've got to a point where I can review it and sort of know what the difference between a good version of it and a bad version of it is. Um, this is a weird one. Mm, it is. A I mean, quite, one, quite literally, this is yeah, a weird one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, I like some sort of artsy rock stuff I do. And I understand that this is a very, ch- this is a very challenging record. Very. It is a very challenging record. But the first song sounds like the Mighty Boosh. <laughs> Who you are not a fan of, are you? Not really, no. Okay, okay, okay go on. <laughs> I mean, I just think what I find very frustrating about this record is this: there's a song in it called um, AKA, which is like kind of, and it's got this sort of robo disco thing to it. Mm. And... There's the the song with Bobby Gillespie's on a song called Minimal, which I think is all right. It's like yeah. had had to be the single, but mm. it doesn't really do much. Um, no. And then the last song on it, Riff, is weird, but it's yeah. also got this mad sort of really cool beat that drives it along. And I sort of go, oh, I get this, which is what makes the completely tuneless stuff so frustrating. Because mm. when they write a song, when they try and write a song, they can actually write some quite good songs. Mm. But so much of it is like atonal, psychedelic, spacey, 60 stuff, which just just floats straight past me and does nothing. I, I can't really argue with any of that. Um, it's a very experimental album, this, isn't it? <laughs> to say the least. Mm. Um, I partly brought this in because... Uh, I'm a little bit fed up, Steve, of people describing or self-describing themselves as experimental when, in fact, you know, what that actually means is we do one thing over and over and over again. Then right at the end, we'll throw something in a little bit different and therefore we're experimental. Um, This is experimental. This is an experimental album. And we are called sort of modus operandi has always been to bring in interesting records and hence immediately i was like well look whatever we think of this and i i wasn't sure i was gonna like it and i wasn't sure you were gonna like it but i was like whatever we think of this this is undoubtedly an interesting record um but as i've sort of already revealed experimental doesn't necessarily mean good all the time does it um i don't think this is a bad record i just think it's seriously unfocused and as you say a bit of a mess um I admire it for sounding pretty far away from anything else I've ever heard. And I admire it for me struggling to vaguely give you any idea of what this record sounds like, because it's really fucking difficult. Um, There is one part of the press release I'd like to read, because I think it's probably the most successful um, way of describing what the record is like. But you're still going to be like, eh? 
at the end of it, but it says mm. Southern Fictions is a record which is deliberately omnipresent throughout various time periods. Some may place it in the 2000s New York noise rock scene or in the 1960s when Miles Davis steered towards electric. Some in the 2010s when Duke freed the once authentic rhythm or in the 1950s when Stockhausen turned knobs. Others in the 90s, 80s, 1980s when Kip Haran conducted postmodern Cuban music or the 1940s when George Louis Bajorge enclosed a universe in in a book um i mean i i don't know all of those references i know some of them um mm. yeah i think it pretty much sounds like all of those things um it's a tricky record i've never honestly been a massive boning and fan if i'm honest but i've always had respect for them and therefore i thought it was worth bringing in but i can't honestly say i'm ever going to return to this record really it's just too no it's just too out there for me i, I mean the thing is that like i mean we reviewed jambinai last year yes Onda, yes which was again a, a, a very unusual sounding record i said at the time i don't think i've ever heard anything that sounds like this before no. that was fairly experimental i mean probably not to this extent where it is literally like you know franz ferdinand shitting on a car alarm um, <laughs> there it is <laughs> um and uh but you know, but I did feel like there was sort of some semblance of, you know, there's a lot of these these albums. I think you either have to really antagonise people and really go for it, um, or you have to find a way to make those ideas coherent and work. And I don't think this does either of those things. To be perfectly honest, I think it. There are, like I say, Bobby Gillespie from Primal Screams on the single. And it sounds like a single. Yeah. The last song sounds like a song. You know, AKA, it's like I say, got kind of robo disco. There's not a lot of difference between that and uh, la- uh, yeah, yeah, yeahs or something. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm. Uh, and then you get like a song like Zankuku, like I say, which sounds like fucking some shit on a car alarm. Mm. There's this, there's a song on it called Kun, uh, Kuzun Renai, which is this very electro minimalist noise thing, which has, electronic trumpets in the background of it and it's got like twin peak style talking backwards on it and i'm not trying to say this to be like sort of disparaging to it or anything but if you find chris morris on youtube you can find old clips of chris morris's bbc one radio show that he did in the 90s chris morris obviously is a fucking antagonist and the music that plays in the background this kind of beeps and bells and it sounds like it sounds like that right okay it's just sort of atonal like nothingness mm. and i know they'll probably they're, i'm sure we'll have a couple of people going well oh, don't you get it like they did like when they were going oh you pussies for not being able to listen to atari teenage riot and stuff like that but um but you know i just think if you're gonna make one of these albums make one don't make one but also put like a fucking single on it as well do you know what i mean like i'm getting very mixed messages from this record yeah it never i don't think i think it's a very noble and bold pursuit what boningen have tried to do here try to trying to take all these disparate elements and put them together into something cohesive the only problem is i don't think i've they've managed to take the elements I just don't think they managed to make it cohesive. I think that's no, the problem. No. It's certainly a monumental task. And I think they very bravely, you know, 
jumped two feet first into the pursuit of that task. But I think the problem is it just never sits in the pocket for long enough for you to actually be able to define exactly what it is, which, you mm. know, could be seen as a positive. Um, but for in this case, for my taste and for my ears, it just isn't quite. It just never, never gets where I want it. To, not where I want it to go, but it just never gets to a place where I feel comfortable with it, I guess. It's a smorgasbord of sounds that never truly hits its stride, I think, mm. which is, you know, it's interesting. It is interesting. It it's is undoubtedly inter an it's interesting record. Uh, it's definitely, you need to listen to it a couple of times and go, what do I really think about this? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still, I've, I've heard it four or five times. I'm still, I'm still not entirely sure what I think of it. I've, I've nev never particularly enjoyed it. So, you know, but no, yeah. Neither. But, you know, yeah. but I love, but one, one last thing I'll say, I love the, I fucking love the fact that stuff like this exists and fair play to Boningham for that. Fair play, for mm. them being fearless fucking fearless yeah. but not for me for sure no me neither anyway that's boning and sudden fictions it's out now uh if that sounds like your bag um, <laughs> well, well, if, if you're if you're you probably will. If, if you're at all intrigued then i would implore you to check it out but be cautious i would say yeah okay uh let's move on so the next album we're going to talk about is vile creature the album is called Glory, Glory, Apathy Took Helm. It's the third album from the duo who described their music as a mix of abrasive sludge and funeral doom. So that's them doing our job for us there. Um, Renfrey, this has been getting a fair old amount of praise, hasn't it? Um, this actually came out Creature. last, this actually came it out did, last yeah. week. Um, and we, we had so many people asking if we were going to cover it um, that we sort of made the decision to give it a bash uh, because there were quite a few people, weren't there, who were like, oh, no vile creature this week, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, yeah, we thought we'd give it a go. Um, I don't like Doom. No. Uh, in the main, I don't like right. Doom, which is kind of... I knew this record was coming out and I kind of avoided it because I was like, I don't like Doom. Um, mm. But I don't really want to lay into this too much because I think ultimately it would be pretty pointless. Um, at the end of the day, I'm not a big Doom guy. So I just do not feel like this album is for me at all. Bar a few notable exceptions. Paul Bearer, Elephant Tree, Mammoth Weed, Wizard Bastard, it's, Doom is just isn't my thing. Um, it's kind of interesting. I mean, all the accusations that people tend to level at post-rock, particularly when they're trying to annoy me, uh, aka it's slow, ponderous, doesn't really go anywhere. Even if it does go somewhere, it takes ages to get there. I would say times that by 10 for Doom, <laughs> um, for, for, my, for my money. Um, you know, that's a subjective opinion, of course. But it, it it just in the main i find doom nauseatingly mind-numbingly dull uh I, I can i i can see i can see why you would feel that. i mean we've just been sort of speaking about a similar type of music and there are you know there are definitely bands from that genre i mentioned did i mention electric wizard earlier i can't remember if i did but particularly like electric wizard for example i think are when they're great, they're really, really great. I mean, I don't know that I need nine Ele Electric Wizard albums or however, no. I don't even know. I mean, they've got, they've probably got about nine. Um, but, there, but there are a couple 
that I think uh, are worth having. I think like, Sleep's Holy Mountain's not really a Doom mm-hmm. record per se, but you know that's great as well. Um, but I have to say, I mean, I think I've got a probably got just about just about a stronger um, uh, level of sort of being able to handle this stuff than you probably just yeah i i I think it's a a tad more your thing than it is my thing but but even you you don't strike me as a like massive doom head either no no i mean i i tend to like the kind of um the sort of uh, what was it that tom dare brilliantly called it once sort of heroin doom dope sick (laughs) doom like sort of i hate gods and um, yeah yeah that's kind of sludgier though isn't it yeah 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 yeah, yeah, to be fair um so but for the majority of this record i mean people have been really really praising it and for the majority of this record i wasn't quite sure what all the praise that they were getting for was like really i was like yeah this is a doom record it's sort of super heavy super sludgy like i said when i put it on the first time and it did go go and i was like oh this is a fucking this is 50 minutes long nearly um yeah i was gonna say don't go on don't go on with that impression for too long because we might get sued uh for using their tracks because that was exactly what they sound like um for the first for the first half hour of this record that is pretty much it. Sorry yeah, to say I mean, it, but it is more or less. I mean, I it was murderously heavy. Murderously heavy. Um and Yeah. I, I I you know, I got no beef with that. Like I was sort of sitting there and I was like, I don't really I mean it's really sunny out at the moment and I was like, yeah. Do I want to listen to, <laughs> yeah, I, listen to yeah. I just wanted to put on like yeah. Goldfinger, do you yeah, know what I mean? Ranted. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I really want to listen to like Life won't wait by Rancid, and I've got yeah. someone going like, and pretty much. Setting up a thing up on Instagram the other day of me listening to the Daughters album while the oh, song yeah, was I out. Saw that, yeah. So you know, ignore <laughs> ignore me. Um, yeah, it's not it's not when, really it's not really the best music to listen to in the weather that we're currently in. But no. then, yes, as you're but about then, to say, but then, glory, glory comes in. Yes, please. Which is the fourth song. Yes. And suddenly, out of five, five, you've got this really beautiful, full-blown gang, not in Gregorian chant, but almost like an operatic chant song. I can see where you're you're going with the Gregorian chant thing. I don't think that's too far off. Which It's sort of like a vocal, a softened Mm -hmm. vocal drone. Like that sun might, it's like a vocal version of, it's like making sun palatable with nice yeah. voices. It's a sun slash Chelsea Wolf esque type thing to do, I would say. Uh, and it's fucking cool. It's great. It's really fucking cool. Really and I thought, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Six and a half minutes long. Yeah. I was like, that's this is well done you. You've done it's it. Brilliant. And I was like, pr- pr- probably you'll go back to the Doom thing straight afterwards. And they sort of do. They do then, and they don't. They do and they don't. But then, yeah, then um, Apathy Took Helm, they kind of meld those two things together. And it's really powerful. Those last two tracks are brilliant. They're yeah, fucking they're fucking great. Great. It's the last 13 minutes of the record. Uh, it is the thing that I moan about quite a lot in that band does. Not to the same extent as, say, a... Uh, that was Cow's Capitation last year where I was saying... It was, yeah. 
Silosis, you said it about this year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not to quite the same extent, but, you know, you do get half an hour of fairly, in my opinion, rudimentary doom. I mean, this is is just a two-piece, we should say. Um, They, so they don't have a lot of, you know, stuff to play with compared to uh, (laughs) three pieces, four pieces, five pieces. Um, And they do, they make a hell of a racket for two people um Mm -hmm. you know which is great um but it is it is when they bring in other elements from outside of the band on those last two tracks because there's there's a lot of guests on those two records two two songs yeah i think my own i i I do think those songs are fantastic fan fucking tastic my only slight gripe is i think most of the elements that make those songs fantastic come from the guests rather than the two people in the band well, hmm. Matt, um, yeah, I, I mean, I do think the mixture of that really sort of soaring, angelic, quarrel voices mixed with the with that riff superhumanly, oh. and also it helps that underneath it, there's this kind of you don't notice it the first time, and the second time now I listened to it, and I was like, ah, that's cool as well. There's this kind of spaghetti western thwang yep. underneath it as well, yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's and that's really cool. And again, it's just a little nod to something else. I think. The first half of this is just what it is, really. You know, we're yeah. not in a position where we can slag off what the best fucking Doom thing is. It Like, we don't really no, know. No, we're not really. Um, no. But certainly for laymans <laughs> or for people who are, you know, not particularly interested in that, the last sort of, what is it, 13 minutes of the it's record? The last 13 minutes, yeah. Uh, I think is, is is fucking fantastic. It's astounding. The, the last 13 mm. minutes is amazing. It does frustrate me to an extent and make me go, you could have done that over 45 minutes because I think it's, yeah. I think it's I, I think bold f- enough and interesting enough an idea to actually be sustained for 45 minutes, personally. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm not saying just extend those songs so that one's 20 minutes and one's 25 minutes, but you know, or just run with those ideas, those themes, just, just been a bit braver. Or come up with some other ideas. Or come well. up with some other ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you clearly got some ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 they're really, really. It's, I guess it's just that thing again of like, you know, me just wanting to say, me, you, both of us wanting to say to bands, just try being a bit more experimental. Like, like fucking close your close your eyes and jump in with both feet. Yeah, I mean, be a bit more boningan. <laughs> to be honest, mm. you know, they could probably do with both. Be a bit, be a bit more oms. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. Quite. Okay. <laughs> don't, no. That's, don't be yeah. too too much like Boninga. Be a bit more Oms. Exactly. You know, Oms really sustain your interest over that half an hour of that record to the point where when it's over, you're like, "Fuck, is that it?" You know, in mm. a way, that does not happen on this record because it's. Uh, you know, I'm not fed up of it by the end because the last two tracks are that good. But um, fed up I, of it at the start. I re- yeah. I wish it would get going <laughs> quicker. I really fucking wish it would. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I I don't want to I don't want to crap on this too much. I feel like I kind of have a little bit. I don't want to crap on it too much because, like I said right at the top of this, this funereal doom particularly is not my bag. It' not my no, thing at all. Hard, you know, it's hard work. Yeah, I mean, we've had releases from the likes of Bell Witch that people have absolutely adored. Did absolutely nothing for me. Slab Dragger, people adore that band. They do absolutely nothing for me. You know, and I'd never turn around and say those bands are shit. You know, because they're not. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that about this band either. It's just 
it's just really not for me until the bit where it really is for me very so i can't add anything more to that i'm going to yeah. move on yes there you go vile creature glory glory apathy took helm is out now great fucking uh, title as well great, great fucking, fucking title. title and you know well done for doing the brilliant thing well yes. um speaking about to do the brilliant thing well uh, my favorite band or my favorite album from last year clipping um are back they released there existed an addiction to blood which was my number one album of 2019. I still listen to it all the time. I love it. Uh, they've just released a new EP. It's called 319. Two new tracks from the avant-garde hip-hop trio. Uh, released for Juneteenth on their Bandcamp page. Now, this is a pay-what-you-want two-track, eight-minute-long release with many of the proceeds um, from their Bandcamp page going to the Daughter of George, George Floyd's GoFundMe page, as well as many other organizations organizations dedicated to racial justice. Um, we were speaking about Dizzy Rascal earlier, Renfrey, and I said, <laughs> you know, when we get to clipping, that's when you see a band and an act and an artist who are really potent when it comes to having something important to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first track on this, the title track, it's very clearly inspired by what's going on right now. Pretty impressive that they got this out so as quickly. Quick did, yeah. And not just that they got it out so quickly, that it is so fucking good. It's fucking um, incredible. It's amazing. And it's actually a lot more listenable than a lot of the stuff from the last record that kind of noise noise based more avant-garde back um backing that the, the the two other guys give david diggs um there's actually a kind of proper old school hip-hop vibe to it i mean we mentioned run the jewels we did the run the jewels album a few weeks ago and we spoke about that and how great that was um there is a similar sort of feeling on this EP to that Run the Jewels album, but I actually think that this is possibly even angrier, um, even angrier than the um, than the the Run the Jewels record. Well, it's a direct uh, response to George Floyd, whereas um, Run the Jewels obviously isn't a direct response to George Floyd specifically. It's merely a response to what's been going on for decades and decades and decades so in in a sense that's not surprising uh but yes absolutely uh this is um fucking pissed off as it should be um i think this is pretty fucking fantastic i that's thought it's an amazing song um mm. uh, it's uh so hooky yet so like really impressive um, really impressive flow and style, but also sudden changes in what they're what um, David Diggs is doing and where he's going. Mm. And those changes sound so effortless, um, when in yeah. reality, I imagine that sort of thing is actually pretty difficult to do. Mm. Um, if this feels like a massive, this feels like a proper statement yeah. to me. This feels like um, fuck the police big statement well this feels like you know big i mean putting in donald trump as a white supremacist full stop if you vote for him again you're a white supremacist full, full stop. stop yeah like it's, it's fucking scathing and you know 
this is violently angry. I mean, yeah. I think we spoke yeah. about the difference between um, the end of the Run the Jewels album and the beginning of the Run the Jewels album and yeah. the kind of journey that it goes on. And certainly there are some incredibly angry, frustrated parts on Run the Jewels, but this is violently angry. And it's, yeah. again, I mean, what I loved about Clipping the first time I heard it is not only the kind of the flow and the expanse and the ability of Diggs to to pull these couplets and sometimes triplets and quadruplets of rhymes out of nowhere. Mm. Um, he does it in this very, very threatening, mechanical, unemotional way mm. that he's got here as well. Like it sounds angry, but it sounds controlled. I mean, you were talking, mm. we were doing another podcast recently and we were talking about the idea of bands who aren't metal bands and how they, how they control their anger in a different way. And this is very, very, steady nerveless like you can imagine him with a steady hand throughout all of it um very focused fe focused fearless like yeah really great i mean Pin it sharp. is mm, it is an absolutely fantastic song and i think um the second track uh which is called knees on the ground is probably musically is more kind of noise influence from more, more avant-garde yeah more avant-garde has this kind of machine gun beat behind it and then this kind of white noise screech and then it goes very pretty and it kind of builds and builds and then it drops and it drops and it's a really weird musical composition i think again you know when we've spoken before about hip-hop and you've gone ah well you know musically it doesn't really do that much and blah 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 like the, the clipping to me are a band that you can point out and go well they do Mm -hmm. they've got lots that. they've got lots of stuff um yep. that i mean i actually think it's such an odd song and again it's um it's very angry and very focused um uh i actually think it's probably a better song than the first one even though it's probably less instantaneous um okay i think that <clears throat> i i do prefer the first song if i'm honest but I will say, I think both songs are as powerful as one as each other. Um, I just think the second song approaches it in a far less direct manner, but it's still mm. very, very powerful. Um, and I yeah. think that's brilliant. I think it's brilliant that over just eight minutes, eight and a half minutes, however long this is, they show two very, very distinct ways to get their message across. And they're both as powerful as one another. Um, as a song, I just prefer... 319 chapter 319 but but i yeah. still think they're great they're both great Chap chapter 319 is a is like i say is that feels like a like that's a, bang. a banger that's an, an, that's an anthem isn't yeah, it yeah. that's a proper anthem whereas it's i think he's on the ground childish gambino except it's a good song <laughs> yeah it's true um whereas knees on the ground is much more what you know the the album that came out last year was yeah was like i think much more kind of weird avant-garde experimental quite yeah. stop starty quite you know um jarring in a lot of places yeah. uh but no less effective um yeah they're brilliant in case you hadn't heard me say it before they, they are, are fucking brilliant they are amazing um yeah and this song really um really fucking riled me up actually i think it's an amazing i i yeah. I, I kind of hope that it does become the soundtrack to some sort of change who knows maybe that's that might be too much to ask for i don't know but who knows? Probably, like yeah, but you know, um, cynical old me. Sorry, um, but <laughs> there we go. Anyway, it's on their It's available on their Bandcamp page. It is 
a digital download and you can pay what you want. Yeah. Um, I suggest you go and buy it from yeah. them. That's you can, what I've done. So you can download it for free. Um, but obviously, yeah, we would encourage you to just chuck a little bit of money their way because obviously it'll go straight mm. to, um, you said it was George Floyd's daughter's. Yeah, it's actually going to George Floyd, George Floyd's Daughters GoFundMe page. It also goes to um, People's Breakfast for Oakland, the Okra Project, and Afro Rack. Uh, I don't don't know by anything about those. I'm uh, sure they're organisations. I'm sure they're great. But it's all it? on it's all on the um, it's all on the Bandcamp page. Mm. So yeah, go and check it out. That is Clipping Chapter Three One Nine. Man, I fucking love that band. What a great band. Mm so good um and i love metallica as well so let's move on to broken records <laughs> how we end the show as ever renfrey um with our uh our weekly look at one of the most maligned albums in the world of music and uh see if we can find the shittest of the shit uh so far we've got quite a few albums beginning to pick up so i'll do the old countdown as per um bob dylan he of earlier his self-portrait album is the, the best bad album that we've got so far yeah. lou reed metal machine music we're about to talk about lou reed he is um just behind him liz fair's self-titled album lauren hill's mtv 2.0 unplugged bush's black and white rainbows the enemies streets in the sky is followed by dirty vegas is one then viva brothers famous first, first world words um louis the 14th fucking now louis the 14th slick dogs and ponies Queen and Paul Rogers, The Cosmos Rocks. Richard Ashcroft's United Nations of Sound is actually, at this point, at number five, which is fucking, fucking unbelievable. Eogan <laughs> uh, e- Quick is uh, down at number four with his self-titled debut album. Number three is Six Feet Under's Graveyard Classics Volume 2. Number two wasn't number one for very long. Towers of London's Blood, Sweat and Towers. And number one, just crowned last week, the self-titled debut record from Tommy Lee and his methods of mayhem. But to be added to that list uh, is an infamous one-off collaboration album between former Velvet Underground auteur Lou Reed and Metallica, the biggest metal band of all time, released on the 31st of October 2011. Um, Little bit of backstory here at... The 29th, uh, sorry, the 2009 celebration of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Lou Reed and Metallica got together and played a cover of Sweet Jane by the Velvet Underground. Did you ever watch that, Renfrey? Uh, no. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> sorry, that took me, me a while. <laughs> <laughs> me neither. You know no. what? I've never seen them do the thing with Lang Lang. And I've no, never I'm seen not. them, no, no, no. never seen them do, I've seen a bit of them doing the Moffins of Flame with Lady Gaga. I have but, I have one of the boot like they did um four shows for their thirty year celebrations, uh mm. where they didn't repeat a single song over all four shows apart from Seek and Destroy, which they played every night. And they brought Lou Reed along for one of them and did a couple of songs from Lulu and they also covered White Heat, White Light as well. Yeah. Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah. So. But they made they Metallica, I mean, kind of post Lou Reed really, have gone and uh, collaborated with a whole bunch of people obviously they did the san francisco symphony orchestra before that um uh but yes it all started in 2009 at the rock and roll hall of fame celebration the 25th i think it was the 25th anniversary 
um, of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, they got on very well, by all accounts. They must have done, because they immediately began to start talking about potentially doing a project together. Uh, come February 2011, Kirk Hammett let slip that the band were doing a new album that was not 100% a Metallica record. Uh, the result of this collaboration was originally due to be Metallica working on some old demos of Lou Reed songs, beefing them up for today or 2011, which still sort of feels like today to me, to be perfect, uh, perfectly honest. Um, fucking, it sort of sounds fucking weird. This album's nine years old, though, isn't it? Oh, just, madness, just as a quick so side, fucking hell. Yeah. Go on. I mean, that is that is that is never mind to hybrid theory. Think of all the stuff that oh, happened in between there. Fuck off. You didn't this have, is Lou. You didn't have to say Lou, that. Lou, Lou, Lou to the new Bob Dylan album. I mean, what has happened in between? Nothing. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing at all. Uh, nothing. Um, so anyway, uh, the result was going to be, like I say, a bunch of Lou Reed's old demos being beefed up for the modern day by Metallica, which I think sounds quite good. We didn't actually get that though. No. We got Lulu um, based on German expression, expressionist playwright, Frank Wedekind's 1904 plays, Earth Spirit and Pandora's Box, which are set in Berlin, Paris, in London in the 1890s. They tell the story of a socialite turned prostitute who ends up at the very end meeting Jack the Ripper, which I guess you can sort of get from the album if you're really listening. Yeah. Not many people did, but if no. you were really listening. Mm. So uh, Lou Reed had already made some demos of the Lulu project and needed Metallica to, as he says, bring the piece to the next level. Metallica did a lot of the arrangements in various jam sessions with Lou Reed. Um, something that you'll know that they're really good at if you've seen some kind of monster. And <laughs> the album was in fact recorded live with Lou Reed telling everyone um, how the band all spent the entire session stood in a circle staring at each other whilst recording, which sounds pretty daunting a thing to do um with lou, reed in, was, with lou reed in the middle of them yeah okay. yeah um no it was an easy process either lars ulrich told spin that um i had to point something out about how things were functioning in the outside world and he got hot and bothered he challenged me to a street fight which is a pretty daunting proposition because he's an expert in martial arts and is never too far away from the sword um so apparently it was quite is that, a, is that the band or is it a sword a sword, sorry, a sword. Yeah, it's just the um, sword. The sword supported Metallica, so there could have been a bit of confusion there. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, so <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> so um, after a kind of tumultuous recording session, the band, the band and Lou released a video for the song, directed by Darren Aronofsky. Mm, one, of, one of my favourite film directors, Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Requiem for a Dream, Pie, uh, Black Swan, mm. The Fountain. Uh, mm. Anymore for anymore, mother? Didn't, didn't he, he do, do mother? He did do mother. mother. Didn't he do? Didn't he do? Um, no, he didn't. Don't worry about it. Uh, oh yes, he did. He did. Um, Russell Crowe doing Noah. Yeah. Noah. Yeah. Which that was is fucking boring. Not right. Yeah. No. Um, the band released the View. Um, its YouTube page has over twice as many dislikes as it does likes, uh, and left a trail of online comments of ire and disgust at the video and turned James Hetfield's proclamation of the fact that he is a table into one of the decade's first memes. Uh, even before the record was released, there was talk of it being the worst album ever made. But what was the reaction to Lulu? Um, well, 
mixed, I think is fair to say. Sputnik yeah. Music gave it a 1.5 out of 5 rating. Um, Lulu seemed ready-made to dispense the notion of repeated listens as the sense of disappointment it creates almost immediately eliminates any idea that it's a grower. Maybe history will judge it less harshly, but as of this moment, the project is a total failure. Hmm. Uh, Pitchfork gave it 1 out of 10. Unfortunately, these small surprises can't save Lulu from the much larger issue that lies directly at its core. For most of the record, Lou Reed and Metallica barely sound like they're on the same planet, let alone in the same room. The album works neither as a powerful rock music nor as an impressionistic soundtrack to a spoken narrative. Uh, the Quietus absolutely savaged it, um, saying, were it not for the ongoing po-faced nature of the protagonists, the logical conclusion to draw would be that this is some kind of comedy record. But as this turgid collection continues to trawl its sorry ass with all the vigour of an elephant swimming in a tar pit, the realisation dawns that these idiots are pretty damn serious about this shit. Lou Reed is probably having a right good laugh about it all, while Metallica now have a very deep hole to crawl out of. Referring to this hideous mess, Lewis has been quoted as saying, this is the best thing I ever did. Don't believe him. Not only is Lulu the worst thing any of the players have ever been involved in, it's quite possibly a candidate for one of the worst albums ever made. Um, Blabbermouth said it was poorly conceived and may not... He's, oh, well, they said uh, poorly conceived may not do justice to how horrendously this turned out. And we say this is one of the few vigorous who vigorously enjoyed and defended St. Anger, which we still stand by. The impetus behind that album was at least there to understand. The invent, the incentive for this one is missing in action. As we said at the beginning, this might have sounded good on paper, but someone should have crumpled up that paper and thrown it away. Um, Dom Lawson on Dom's Iron Sandwich for Metal Hammer um, slated it, saying that the guitar sounded like a wasp in a bin. But he also said, look at what Metallica's peers are doing. Anthrax have just put out a fantastic album, Worship Music. Hmm. Uh. So not been that kind to that review. Um, it's not all been bad, though. Rolling Stone gave it six out of ten and said, things can get ponderous once Metallica start impatiently stomping, but often they turn Reed's pretensions into something muscular. The NME gave it 7 out of 10, saying, you're unlikely to play this record at your next soiree, but the breadth and ambition is to be applauded. Metallica performed way beyond what many was thought they were capable of. They improvised freely as Reed's musical bitch, while for him, this makes his most auteur offering since Metal Machine music. Pretentious, we, self-important, natch, any cop, pretty damn fine actually um uncut gave it eight out of ten and said while nothing else here is quite as astonishing as junior dad uh, as a perfect ending to a most extraordinary passionate and just plain brilliant record either participant has made for a long while i think i fucked up that line but i might have written it wrong you get the gist of it mm -hmm. they thought junior dad was a good ending mm -hmm. uh the bbc gave it eight out of ten ian winwood of kerrang and metal hammer fame said much advice much advanced word of Lou Reed and Metallica's excursion has been one of bewilderment and dismissal. It may well be, though, that the fullness of this album in time is given the praise it deserves. Um, it ended up at number nine on the Wires end of year list. And um, a first shout out, uh, since we don't have Robert Criscu, um, a first shout out for Anthony Fantano of the Needle Drop channel. Um, he gave it a light to decent six and said, I think Lou Reed and Metallica have actually something here worth bragging about because what they've done is actually pretty unique. Yeah, this album is odd. It's funny. It's kind of strange. It's long winded. It's taxing. But I don't see how that all adds up to a really terrible album. This is OK. Uh, David Bowie apparently told James Murphy of LCD Sound System that this was the best thing Lou had ever done, calling it his best work and saying people are making a snap, ju snap judgment and they aren't listening. And 
a certain Stephen Hill gave it a pretty decent review uh -oh. on the Metal Hammer podcast at the uh -oh. time, if I remember rightly. Um, still, yeah, he's, a, he's a prick, though. <laughs> still, metal fans hated it. Yeah. They savaged it. It was not Master of Puppets. They just kept kept on going about the table thing. Which is an indication that most of them didn't really listen to the whole thing, isn't it? I thought yes. it was quite interesting to read that um, bum, 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 Iced Honey was um, originally considered to be, was, was uh, in consideration to be the main single. And listening to Iced Honey, I thought, well, if this had have been released as the first single, I don't think those Eye on the Table memes would have become a thing. And I also think people mm -hmm. would have listened to it and would have gone, meh. And then moved on. But I don't think it would have been ridiculed in the mm. same way. In many ways, The View is the most concise, condensed, most palatable, if you will, song on this record. So in that sense, it was a wise move to release The View as a single. But unfortunately, it's also probably one of the easiest to mock on the record. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few things that are difficult about this record, definitely. Undoubtedly. Um, undoubtedly. Un undoubtedly. Um, Lou Reed uh, writes some incredibly, uh, well, sho some, there's some quite shocking lyrical shocking content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shocking. And I mean that in the terms of like, I am shocked by them. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're shocking as well. Mm. Um, but then it all, it, it's hard to discuss it away from the context from which it was taken and none of us have seen those plays and i stand by my original point from nine years ago which i said on the metal hammer podcast at the time and in fact i've actually found um the defense of lulu uh, that i wrote about a year and a half ago for metal hammer when it came out you know where um what did I say? Some of you want Metallica to sound like Master of Puppets again, but as obviously it sounds, Master of Puppets already exists. You can literally go and put it on right now if you want. Um, I think I'll do that. See you, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Would it shock people in the same way as Lulu does? That is doubtful. Um, that's that's but, definitely doubtful. It wouldn't. No, yeah. What would shock people is a double album of avant-garde, part-spoken word, post-metal, conceptually based on the writings of an expressionist German playwright of the early 1900s. That's what Lulu is. The reason so many people feel so negatively towards it is because they want it to be something else, which is ridiculous. It's like biting into an apple and being angry that it doesn't taste like a banana. Those are my words from about 18 months ago. Um, and they'll be on your tombstone, won't they, Steve? <laughs> well, and quite <laughs> happily so. Now... Renfrey, Hello. I listened to this yesterday, mm -hmm. Lulu. Mm -hmm. um, I occasionally listen to it now mm -hmm. and again. I probably haven't listened to it for about three years, mm -hmm. to be fair. But I've always been intrigued by it. Now, same. I, de I definitely stand by everything that I've said about it in the past. Certainly, I've never gone, this is great. Do you know what I mean? I've certainly never gone, what a brilliant record. Okay. I've always gone, I don't fully understand it. And I can't fully understand it because I don't fully have the context for it. I also didn't really think that. I mean, if you've heard Lou Reed before. You, you know what Lou Reed sounds like. This feels and you know what Lou Reed does. This is not new territory 
really for Lou Reed, is it? Well, it felt like it was far less of a surprise for Lou Reed fans than it was for Metallica mm. fans. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think in the main, I mean, obviously, this is an insanely broad generalization, but I do think in the main, most Metallica fans haven't heard Velvet Underground. And, you know, that might sound pompous of me to say, but I think the release of this record proved it. Look, um, mate. I think that I think you're you're. That's not pomp a pompous thing to say because Metallica plays stadiums. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's no that that would be that would be like saying you wouldn't sound like a snob if you said I bet most what who are pop act most Taylor Swift fans haven't heard Sparks. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a it similar. Is the, comp- it's the equivalent comparison. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So. Yes, I'm sure Metallica fans are not aware of Lou Reed or why people hold him in such esteem. For me, I'm not really, I think we said it when we did Metal Machine Music, I never really got into the Velvet Underground. I Neither see the influence I. they have yeah. on other bands, but I don't actually, you know, I'm I'm not doing, I'm not pulling a what we said we shouldn't do about Bob Dylan and saying the Velvet Underground is shit, because I don't think they are. I can understand where that influence has come from. Me personally, I've never really been able to get into it and enjoy it as much as, I feel like I probably should. Same. Um, Lou Reed has got a few decent songs and decent records. Mm-hmm. Um, Track again, three not on a mass- machine music. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That one isn't it? Um, <laughs> Better than the uh, others. The, the ballad. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I mean, I I did at the time. I said, you know, it's too long. Some of the songs are quite messy. They do sound like jams. They kind of sound like demos of ideas rather than finished articles of a lot of songs. But you can um, occasionally get some semblance of story if you go and look it up. Not to the extent of something like Dosha Dreams, which I think is very clear what sort of world you're inhabiting. Don't think you quite get that. Um, But I have made a point of kind of going to the play synopsis and I did back in the day. And I think they at least give indicators enough to make you feel like, well, there's some sort of narrative structure going on here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I also think that some of it is, you know, funnily enough, listening to it yesterday, I probably enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed it. Listening to it today, I've enjoyed it more than I've ever enjoyed it. Um, I was going to say, nine years on, I think this album's aged remarkably well. Yeah. It's aged remarkably well. Um, I agree with everything you said. This isn't a masterpiece in any way, shape or form. There's a lot of issues with it. It's way too long. It's 87 minutes and four seconds. (sighs) Oh, it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. But you know what? When it's good, it's really fucking good. Um, And it's, it's... It's so much... It's so much more diverse... Diverse than I remember it being. Yeah. I, to, what I remembered it being was basically being the view for 87 minutes. And mm. that's not what this record is at all. Not at all. I mean, you get that sort of acoustic guitar pick at the start right of the Brandenburg beginning. Gate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a little bit of, you know, and it is like shocking, like, I would cut my dick off and all that mm. sort of stuff mm. that he's mm. talking mm. about. Mm. Um, Lovely stuff. Uh, yeah, it's not nice to listen to it. <laughs> no, it's weird. No, no. Um, you wouldn't but, want to put this on at a party. But even that, like, no, no, you wouldn't. But like, I, I, I honestly, like, when the like when I put it on, I was like, okay, here we go, here we yeah, go same, again, sort same, of thing. Same. And the, the, I really loved the view and the Brandenburg Gate back to back. I thought was yeah. 
was wicked. Yeah. And, you know, there's the, the other thing, which I think is a massive, massive misconception about the record, is that Metallica just, you know, Metallica fans slagged off Lou Reed. And the odd bit that you did about hearing a Metallica is like, oh, Lou Reed's doing his brilliant poetry. And then Metallica kind of stomp all over it clumsily, like the stupid, thick metal idiots that they are. Well, actually, I mean, for example, Cheat On Me, it's about three minutes of violin and Rob Trillio's bass, but it's really kind of beautiful picked bass parts that, I mean, you know how much Rob listens to kind of jazz and Django Reinhardt and stuff like that. And and you can hear that. And they've got kind of the orchestra tuning up in the background and you get a bit of crackle of Hetfield's guitar. And it really sort of warmly, it just sort of warms up before it gets into the song. And I was like, this is not Metallica suddenly coming in and going Rah! like all over everything. There's plenty of times where Metallica show restraint and subtlety. Mm. And I mean, stuff junior, like that. junior, junior dad, we mentioned, and I mean, I'm going to let you talk about junior dad. Cause mm. I understand it's your favorite song on the record. Fuck yeah. The long, the longest it. one. Yeah. It's good, nine, isn't it? 19 minutes and 30 seconds long. Um, I mean, the last six minutes of that is just it's drone, it's drone yeah. music. It's drone music. It's um, very reminiscent of a band who I talk about quite a lot, who are a band who I think whenever I bring them up, you're like, oh, that sounds like a lot of hard work. But actually, they're very reminiscent of Stars of the Lid, who basically do this very kind of chilled out electronic drone stuff, which is almost like a an electronic ocean, electronic waves going in and out. And it actually becomes, after a while, it becomes very hypnotic and very, very soothing. And Junior Dad is a really good version of that, you know. Um, I think it's a great song, Junior Dad. I mean, does it need to be 19 and a half minutes? Probably not. But I still think it's fantastic and one of the bravest things Metallica have ever done. Mm. This is brave. This is brave brave on Metallica's part. And again, you know, the kind of my thing that's in the defense of Lulu is that you can't bemoan a band for refusing to leave their comfort zone and then stamp your feet when they don't do what you're used to. Quite. It's very easy to laugh and sneer at something you don't understand, isn't it? You know? Um, And I think Mm. it's, uh, I think it's a testament to Metallica. (laughs) No pun intended. Uh, It's it's really, really cool that when Metallica come in on this record in on Brandenburg gate after the acoustic guitar, even before Hetfield starts singing small town girl, you know, even <laughs> before he does that, you can tell it's Metallica. You've got that mm. guitar tone. You've got Lars's snare runs, which let's face it, Lars's snare runs are the, are the bit where you go, ah, oh, that's Metallica, isn't it? You mm. know, as mm-hmm. much as people diss him, as much as people are like, oh, he's a shit drummer, yada, yada. Well, yeah, compared to fucking Lombardo or, um, uh, I was going to say Brent Hines, who's the Mastodon drummer. Not Brent Hines. I, would, um, I was going to say Joe Duplantier. Brandale. Is it Joe yeah. Duplantier? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's say Mario Duplantier. Yeah, Mario Duplantier, Brandela. You know, compared to those guys, okay, great. He's not a great drummer, but he does have that Dave Grohl thing of mm. when you hear him, you go, that's Lars Ulrich, that is. Um, you know, whether you like that sound or not, it's the sign of a great band when you can recognize who they are instrumentally, and you really can on Brandenburg Gate, I think. Um, Mistress Dread um, has a thrash metal riff 
Uh, yeah. I remember reading uh, David Frick, and he said that uh, from Rolling Stone, very famous critic from Rolling Stone, and he said that um, this album sounds like a combination of, oh, he said a Lou Reed album, which I can't recall, but he also said and Master of Puppets. I was reading it. I was like, I'm not sure if that's true. And then Mistress Dread comes in with a riff which could have been lifted straight off of Disposable Heroes, and it's like, he said, oh, gone. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Um, he said it's a raging union of uh, 1973 noir classic Berlin and Metallica's 1986 Crusher Master of Puppets. There we go. And for the, yes, and, for, go on, sorry. and for the first three tracks, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm quite there with you, Mister Frick. Uh, then, then, Mr., then Mister Dread came in, and I was like, yeah, okay, that riff is basically recycled from disposable heroes isn't it you know it's thrash it's thrash with you know lou reed sort of drunkenly speaking over the top but it it it, i don't think metallica have ever sounded so dissonant and strange you know as uh, even even though they're fundamentally doing something they've been doing since at least 1986 Um, and that's where that's why this album's really really interesting i think that song's like Radiohead's national anthem mixed with disposable teens, mixed with a I don't know a drunk homeless man singing tunelessly over the top. But it is really interesting, to say the least. You know, it's mm. really really interesting. I don't think it's the best song on the album or anything like that, but it is no. really really interesting. Um, I would I would say the first half of the record I I, I actually think is I wouldn't change very much about it to be honest. Uh, no, no, I think you're right. Actually, the first half is the first six songs. It's about forty yeah. minutes. Um, no, I wouldn't change. I mean, I think everything could do with a trim on this record. To be totally uh, honest, everything yeah, could do with, yeah, with yeah, being yeah, trimmed yeah. down. You know, yeah. ten, ten I mean, songs in eighty odd minutes, however long it is. It's a, it's a hell of a slog. It is a slog. It's a slog. I mean, I think um, when I say I wouldn't change anything, yes, I probably would cut things down. But I def- definitely think that those songs. Are, are decent songs i do think frustration little dog and dragon on the second side before we get to junior dad i actually don't mind i actually like little dog more than i liked it before previously yeah um yeah. i uh, i had a newfound appreciation for dragon this time around really personally yeah. yeah yeah i mean you know yes you're right it's definitely too long and i think probably the fact that i mean before we started we had a quick phone conversation to go like you know what time should we record hmm. and i don't you i don't you listen to it yet but you were like it's just a shit version of swans isn't it uh yeah i did say that and actually um you you brought me up you sort of took me up on that and said you know i'm not even sure if it's a shit version of swans i i, I don't think it's as good as swans but i think say it's a shit version of swans is probably a little hmm. bit ott uh yeah having re-listened to it yeah i absolutely agree with you actually um um i think if michael gyra gyra however you pronounce it um released this i don't think people would be like oh my god this is one of the best swans albums but i don't think no. people would be mega disappointed either to be totally honest i think they'd be a little bit disappointed because a little I bit. Think the, the last sort of the swans run they've been on has been very good but yeah, um yeah. Like very very good but and i don't think this comes close to being as good as I d- anything swans have put let out me, but, let, so me I refra- think that, let me rephrase that then i don't think it would be chastised within their catalog personally. no maybe not i mean i don't i don't think you'd be looking at like this is a fucking disaster no exactly yes exactly um and i think the fact that you and i have been going out of our way to listen to more uh music of this ilk means that when i did put it on today even like kind of like what i was just saying about bo ningen you know putting it on yesterday i was like here we go 
and uh, you know because it has been a fucking slog sometimes and it felt a lot less like a slog than it ever has before um yeah agreed i get i found the boningan album more of a slog than this to be totally honest yeah 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 i mean you know i'm gonna say this it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but it's probably the best thing metallica have done in this millennium uh snm2 oh uh, right okay yeah <clears throat> i mean i meant of original material it's i mean it's it's better than it's absolutely definitely better than st anger no doubt about it it is um way more at least more interesting than death magnetic which is an album which i just am not even kind of vaguely intrigued by at this point and i think there is as much filler on hardwired to self-destruct as there is on this i'd agree so, with that. i'd agree with and, that definitely yeah and there are some really really good things like moth into flame obviously is fucking brilliant moth into the flame. uh and you know there are some really really good songs on hardwired to self-destruct but overall is it as interesting a record mm, it's between these two it's, I mean, I'd definitely take it over the, 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 the other two. Definitely. This is clearly the most interesting thing Metallica have done in the last 20 years. Um, I don't know if I can quite go with you in terms of the best. I think the highs on um, Hardwired, Death Magnetic and St. Anger, if I'm totally honest, are better than the highs on this record, which is which is mm. what sort of prevents me from going, yeah, I don't know. But in terms what of the, the highs on St. Anger? <laughs> um frantic, frantic frantics and anger and uh the unnamed feeling and all within my hands i think all four of those songs are fucking great really they're way too long though every song on that record could do with at least a minute on yeah it. yeah but you know yeah. i mean that's just metallica in the 21st century you know i think they're pooey bums um uh, that, that all those songs to be honest uh, oh but, fair enough hey, but i i I, um, I mean i think well i actually i we I, don't, I wonder if we will release this one day very 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 early on in the right act days sat down with uh, mr matt reynolds from haggard cat to do a sort of reassessment of St. anger and that was quite interesting um it certainly made me appreciate the record more than i had done before um uh, but i yeah those four songs personally for me i think are fucking fantastic um, another shout out for adam reese who's a big fan of St. anger oh he fucking loves it um he? Yeah, yeah. he actually just texted me the reason i haven't texted you adam if you're listening is because i'm doing this right now so <laughs> i'm not snubbing you uh i'm gonna do it after we finish this um but but anyway back to lulu um i really don't i really don't have any kind of problem with it at all and in fact when it comes to placing it I'm going to say straight away, Renfrey, I think it's the best record that we've had on here. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to suggest um, we put it next to heavy. Uh, sorry. We put it next to metal machine music um, in between self-portrait and metal machine music. I And the reason for the reason I was going to suggest that is because uh, I would return to self-portrait far more than I would return to this, even though I, I quite like Lulu. Um, I think it's a very interesting record. I'm not going to listen to it that often, really. The stuff on Self-Portrait that I'd listen to very, very, very happily indeed. So that's the only reason why I would say that. Have you, though? Self-Portrait? Well, mm. we've been fucking busy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I mean, get to use that excuse. Okay, well, here's what I would well, say. I, I, ha I have returned to Lulu multiple times in the nine years that it's been out. Do, do, do you, could, would you put a guesstimate on how many times in nine years? 
Um, in the okay, so I listened to it a whole bunch of times when it came out. In the nine years post, then at least, I reckon at least five or six times. Okay. So you're looking at maybe once every eighteen months. I suppose I can't say I have done that. Um, I haven't returned to self-portrait either, although there's a lot of shit that we're doing at the moment and it feels a little bit difficult to justify listening to a 1970 ostensibly B-sides record from Bob Dylan when we have the new Bob Dylan album to, to review, for yeah, example. Yeah, I mean, of course, I, I do understand that. I'm just saying that, you know, um, I like when there, record, there when... is there's conjecture and then there's actual this has i mean how many times have you gone back to lulu over the time it's come out not as many as that definitely not as many as that um when i put the because i own this on cd um and when i put the cd in i was i was thinking how many times have i actually listened to this copy of lulu and it may only be the third time that i've listened to this particular copy i i listened to i think to be honest with you i think i pirated it at the time because I was so kind of unsure as to whether it'd be... I mean, it was just so critically torn apart by most of the press that I was reading that I was mm. like, I, I would like to try this before I buy it kind of thing. Um, but hey, I did end up buying it, you know? I liked it enough to part with money to purchase mm. it. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about um, Self-Portrait by Bob Dylan as well. I've not got around to doing that yet because we've been locked under lockdown and all that kind of thing but i have felt that the next time i see self-portrait in a fop or whatever and it's a fiver i'll probably pick it up you know so from that point of view i kind of feel they're sort of fairly equal i don't know i i i wouldn't i wouldn't be absolutely furious if this went um ahead quote unquote of uh self-portrait but but i feel like it should go next to metal machine music and then you got two Lou Reeds together having a miserable time. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't really mind. I think Self-Portrait's got some good stuff on it. It's got some great uh, stuff on it. Self-Portrait's yeah. got some great stuff on it. Yeah, it has actually. It's, got, it's, okay, full, it's full of filler. You always but... always get your way, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because I make very good arguments, Steve. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Um... <laughs> All right, there you go. It's going in. I'm going to put it in there. I'm happy with that. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, we both quite like self-portrait. Yeah. And I like Lulu and you don't mind it. So, yeah, I, I, I I'd go. I'm, I'd go as far to say, as to say I like Lulu. I do. Yeah. It's yeah. hugely flawed. It's hugely flawed. There's a lot wrong with it. And Lou Reed does sound like a drunk on most of it. But I can't believe I've, I can't believe this is a beautiful day for me. I found the only other journalist in metal <laughs> who likes Lulu. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of those records. Uh, I was gonna. I'm. I am curious about this. This is one of those records where it is a motherfucker to score. Yeah, it's difficult to, it to is give this a mark out of ten. That, but yeah, it's a fucker. But if you had to, I'm very curious what, what you would give it. If you were forced to. Probably a six. A six? Really. Six, I think is good. Wow. Well, because, I was going to say a seven. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. May, I mean, I, I, maybe a seven. I mean, I think it's because it's so fucking long and the second half of it is, and the second half is, is long. And there's some bits that sort of shake you out of it. And also, I don't feel qualified to sort of know exactly what the hell's going on throughout all of it. So mm. I don't know. But yeah, I... I 
a high six, low seven. I would yeah. be probably. I would be happy with high six, um, low seven is a good shout. But yeah, but I'm. I can't believe. Like, I'm very happy that you're being positive about it because, like I say, a, a very prominent, very respected journalist gave it a, a very, um, a very strong review and said that it was hugely misunderstood and people were missing the point and yada 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 he had lots of very 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 interesting points i certainly didn't agree with his score but i agreed with a lot of the rhetoric he was using for sure well mick walls appeared to give it seven out of ten which is the same as we've given it effectively which is you know i mean i've got a lot of time for mick wall i think he's fucking fantastic generally mm. i think it is this review yeah 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 it's on louder um Oh, stop coming out with adverts, you prick. Diehard die fans of either may disagree, but the coming together of these two music giants has proved a shattering combination. Hmm. The, the, I mean, I'm not going to read all of this, but in fact, I might read most of it and then I can just cut out the bits that are not interesting. The arguments about this ferociously self-regarding project began the moment that news of it escaped like bad gas from the manholes of New York City. The arguments will only grow more heated now everyone can at last hear it. Great rock art is always transgressive, of course. How many Lou Reed, Lou Reed and Metallica fans will see this as simple rule-breaking, though, and how many just plain wrong is going to hover over the actual music like a cloud of flies? The basic outline is as follows. Reed has penned lyrics inspired by a late 19th century and an early 20th century play by the German expressionist Frank Wiedekind, Earth Spirit and Pandora's Box, published in 1895 and 1904 respectively and set in Germany, Paris and London in the 1890s, the stories revolve around Lulu, a magnet for the suffocating desires, backhand love and unfettered abuse of all the men who fall upon her. Until finally left with no real feelings in my soul, she meets Jack the Ripper, whose love proves greatest and most fatal of all. Interesting. Metallica have attempted to provide the accompanying river deep musical meditations, subsuming their own musical identity in order to come up with what guitarist Kirk Hammett has called a new animal. Something like a large black dog, perhaps, that whimpers and snarls and bites and shits in places you really wish it hadn't, then does it again to spite you. That's a pretty good way to describe this record. <laughs> yeah. Um, but is it like any good, you ask? Does it, in a word, rock? The answer there would be, well, yes and no. Traditional metal fans will be disappointed. For it is clear from the opening track, Brandenburg Gate uh, wafts in like a fog, Lou cutting straight to the chase. I would cut my legs and tits off when I think of Bol Boris Karlov and Kinski. That this is not an album made for the average rock fan, or as Reed snarls in the view, I want to have you doubting every meaning you've amassed. The culminative weight of this album will certainly do that for you. Some may find the trance-like mood of much of the music morbidly disorientating, even repulsive. And it will be no good saying that this is intentional. The nausea of tracks like Little Dog, A Puny Body and a Tiny Dick, Little Dog Can Make You Sick, is so tangible many will question why they are even listening to this. For others, though, not just Reed Diehards used to his self-loathing, his bitter noir mots, his almost juvenile desire to say the unsayable, the underlying beauty of what these artists form from... On paper, such disparate ends of the rock, rock spectrum are trying to convey will be breathtaking. Hmm. I mean, there is a. Oh, should I just do all of this and then I can cut the bits that are not yeah. interesting? It's not about individual tracks, though there are immediately several standouts like the chilling, pumping blood, whose demented violin reminds one of Street Hassle era Reed before building over several pendulum like minutes to a full on Metallica sized oral assault. 
It's about the overall piece, a conceptual work that has to be absorbed as a whole to even begin to traverse its sonic foothills at 90 minutes plus. This is not exactly an iPod friendly trip. Unless, maybe, you happen to be horizontal by the time you get to final track, Junior Dad. The final 12 of its skin-peeling 19 minutes overwhelmed by waves of drone that recall John Cale's viola, Nico's harmonium, and Cliff Burton's beautiful bass washes and neo-orchestral harmonic effects on instrumentals like Orion. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Reed has built a career based on the hope that, as he says, the intelligence that once inhabited novels and films would ingest rock. But while his best work with and without the Velvet Underground has always benefited from benefited from that creative impulse, he has skated so close to self-parody so many times, his energy has often become dissipated, spread as thin and hollow as the mocking sneer that appears to hover over his work. This is where Metallica come in. A genuinely clubbable for real rock band as opposed to the expensively hired hands Reed has spent the last 40 years working with, what they bring to the party is pure, blissfully unironic fire a fist of fury to replace the limp wrist. It makes for an absolutely shattering combination. You have been warned. Hmm. It's a that's fucking a good, great that's review. That's a good review. Yeah, great yeah. review. Um, I will say as well, that thing about Cliff Burton is true, but also um, when I was listening to it yesterday, for the first time I thought, hmm, Peter Hook from New Order. Like again, all the kind of talk about the clatter of Metallica. Mm. There's a lot of references in there for things that you just normally wouldn't associate Metallica with. I've actually went on um, to its uh, the YouTube channel, the YouTube page that I was talking about, and I had a little look at some of the comments, and they just are I am the table. One says Anthrax, I am the Law Slayer, I am the Antichrist, Megadeth, I am the King, Metallica, I am the table. Hilarious. Um, so there you go. <laughs> We've put it where we put it. Um, we said what we said. It's done. That's where it's going. Right at, least, at, the at least we didn't bring up a coloured man's dick. Well, you just did it. <laughs> um, let's let's pull another album out of the hat for consideration next week. Um, here we go, Renfrey. So next week we are going to be doing. Oh, it's episode one hundred next week, which means we should be doing something special, right? Mm-hmm. The transformed man. By William Shatner. <gasps> oh, bless you. That is amazing. That's How wonderful. great is that? That is wonderful. So next, next so week, happy. we will be reviewing A.A. Williams, Foxjaw, and William Shatner. <laughs> Episode 100. Together. Coming your way. At last. At, at long last. At All right, thanks. last. Alex is going to be thrilled by that. I'll tell her that. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We appreciate that. Um, we will see you next week. Uh, episode 100. Going to be doing something pretty, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I'm glad, glad you're excited. See you later. <laughs>